where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle gone for a couple weeks. Danny Mack in, my longtime friend. It's great to have Dan with us at 701. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Danny Mack, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Randy, we're just besties. That's what we are. We are. You know? I was wondering, I don't know why this came into my mind this morning, but I thought I would ask you about it. And people of our age, I think, can relate to this. I was wondering this morning how we got places when we were younger. We didn't have GPS. and I think about it all the time. So... I was thinking, when I was a kid, when I was 19 years old, me and four college buddies drove up to Chicago for a Blues-Blackhawks playoff game and had a great time, painted our hair blue, wore all of our Blues gear. We had to have those guys with the yellow jackets around us at the end of the game because the Blues uh, staged a, a big comeback in the third period. But I'm wondering, this is 1982, and I'm wondering now... Here in 2022, A, how I got tickets to that game. How did I get five <laughs> tickets for a Blues-Blackhawks game in Chicago? I have no idea. And you weren't working for Camo X at that time? Um, No, I wasn't. So maybe Dan Kelly helped you out? No, no I didn't get any help from anybody. I have okay. no idea how I got them. And then, no GPS, so clearly we just we used a map to try to get up there. But Joe yeah. and I, we, we drove down to Florida for spring training. Didn't have G- I, I think we got one of those AAA tip trip ticks. But I, I was thinking about you because when you were a teenager, 19, 20 years old, you used to drive all over the place yes. to do games. How did we get around? I don't know. I've been thinking about that, too. And my family gives me trouble now because, as you know, I got four kids and they're they're going crazy, right? Mm-hmm. We got a basketball game here. There's practice over here. And now these practices are held wherever you can find a gym. So right. it could be places I never even heard of. And I'm born and raised here. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. you're going to go to this church and then they got this hoop there and they we're going to have a half court practice. Oh, okay, great. And I'm like, how did I do this? How would I be able to do this without my phone? Right. I don't know how. I mean, I guess we were just more self-sufficient, but now we rely on our phone for everything. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, we just... It's the, the comfort of having this technology, but I'm so in agreement with you. Like when I was in college, I literally, I was all over the state mm-hmm. on the weekends calling basketball, football. I did volleyball. I, if you had an event, I'll get behind yeah, a mic and right. ruin your event. So <laughs> it, it was everywhere, Randy. And I, but there was a lot of times I got lost. I will admit that. I, I used to get oh, lost yeah, a I lot. Think, I, I'm sure that I did too. Yeah. But we found our way. And found here we our are. way. Yeah. My kids now are just, they, they, and I bet 
you're very technically savvy. I think you're very good at it. I, I can't imagine how good Patrick is because I know he's really good Here's at it. Here's the thing with Patrick. He is technically savvy, but we sent him one time to pick up Katie in Peoria. She attended Bradley University, and I was working. I think I was doing fast lane, uh, and Joan didn't want to go get him, so uh, we sent Patrick. And there is a place, a, a restaurant in Peoria, and I think it's called Old Town or something like that. So he plugs Old Town into his <laughs> GPS and doesn't pay atten- doesn't pay attention. Just put Old Town. Didn't put it's, Peoria. It's did go he? exactly. Uh-huh. Fortunately for him, gets a ticket in Indiana, a speeding <laughs> ticket, because he had put Old Town in Baltimore into his GPS. <laughs> I love it. I love. It. I I have to admit this. I actually did that uh, about a year ago. I put in my uh, street address, and mm-hmm. I just thought for sure it would pick up because I've always gone to my phone and say, okay, here's my street mm-hmm. address, and it just finds it, whatever. Well, I my street address has a couple of different streets of different parts of the area. And so uh, it took me to, like, out. I, I, I was driving, <laughs> and it was really dark, and there was no light. I'm like... I don't think this is right. And I looked down. I'm like, oh, no kidding. It's not right. It's taking me to the wrong way. So I did it, too. So, Patrick, don't feel bad about it. But I did it. Yeah. Hey, we've got uh, the text lines open. We've got the mic drops open. And we, we've got a fun show for you. Not much going on, obviously. The Blues are are shut down for the moment. We don't have a football team. This is kind of the the dead week before the hype of Super Bowl Sunday. So there's not an awful lot going on. The Billikens are going to play tonight. Looking forward to that. Is as, it tonight or tomorrow? Uh, Wednesday, I'm sorry. Tomorrow night at uh, George Mason. George Mason. And then Mizzou is also tomorrow night uh, as they host Florida. Hope people can get to that one in Columbia because the weather, it's a coming. I, you know, I was a little surprised they didn't maybe try to move that game up. Yeah, that would make sense. You know, uh, right. now SLU is on the road at George Mason. Right. But for Mizzou, and I don't know what their projected weather looks like in Columbia. It's not that far away, so I'm assuming it's going to be it's pretty coming good. from the southwest. So they're going to get storm. some of it. Yeah. Um, I did see where some games got pushed up. I know some high schools are doing that. They're, they're pushing up events. Smart. You know, uh, swimming events and basketball events, wrestling and whatnot uh, to tonight. According to my phone, we're guaranteed a minimum of six inches. My phone's, it's right half the time. I would say this, Randy. We need to probably talk to John Kiowski and, and say, you know what? Everybody just got a snow day. Well, here's the thing. Yesterday, John Kiowski sent out an email to the entire staff, and it said, if you're dealing with bad weather, you can stay at one of the hotels around the stations. And I emailed, he responded to everybody. I said, is the Ritz-Carlton considered around the station? <laughs> And I said, could a famished employee trudge yeah. over to the Capitol Grill? I was going to say, we, does, this, does this include a, uh, a little food uh, involved in this? You know, you guys pick up the tab? Yeah. Be perfect. So the Illini, the number 18 Illini, also play later this week. They'll take on Wisconsin. And so all three college basketball teams are off tonight. We do have North Carolina and Louisville tonight here on 101 ESPN. Oh, by but, the way, I, I had to tell you this. Um I was I, I couldn't believe this. Tickets, I could be wrong about this. And what I read, as you know, not everything is true on the internet, Randy. Not everything. I don't, I don't know most of it. If you find it on Wikipedia, it's pretty much 100% accurate. I saw where Coach K's final game against UNC at Cameron, tickets are going for like $80,000. Wow. Wow. Now, I didn't know if that was like on the court 
or mm-hmm. is there a special suite or something? But I saw a thing for eighty thousand wow. dollars. So you said North Carolina made me think of that. I just saw that yesterday. It's a good thing to keep an eye on. Yeah. Tom Brady said on his podcast yesterday with Jim Gray, the uh, Let's Go podcast, that he's still going through the process of thinking about retiring. He said, sometimes it takes some time to really evaluate how you feel and what you want to do. He said, uh, I think when the time's right, I'll be ready to make a decision one way or another, just like I said last week. And we were thinking about this yesterday because Tom Brady, for many people, is going to be considered the GOAT of all time, the the best football player, if not the best athlete of all time. And we want you, and we are going to put together our GOAT list. And here's what it's going to be. It's going to be a Mount Rushmore plus one. You get to pick a player from the NFL, from the NBA, from the NHL, and Major League Baseball, plus a wild card. Can come from any of the team sports, can be an individual But you get a wild card, so you get a Mount Rushmore plus one today, and you can text in 65780. You can use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app, and uh, we want to hear from you, and we're going to do this a couple times throughout the course of the show. But, Dan, uh, you and I, uh, and I guess because of our era when we grew up, we have somewhat similar lists we do um and i think this is going to take more i mean we're running out of our first segment already it's you know we only have about four or five minutes in this segment because we can do a deep dive into this It, it was hard for me on a few on a few fronts so i'll start with like the baseball list you know do we include steroid guys and if you do include steroid guys it probably changes my list if you don't then it, it's a different list than I would come up with. And I would say that you can include anybody you want. Ooh, then I, I think I got to change my list. Then I got okay. to start looking at my list, and I, I think I got to change it. Now, do you want to start going down this? Because I think we need to set some parameters here on how we came up with certain guys. and yeah. Because, you know, when you think about it, um, and I did a deep dive on this last night, and I went back into it today. So, for, for instance, like in the NBA, um, I had a, a real hard look at like Bill Russell and saying, is that the best? He had 11 championships. Mm-hmm. He was 10 and 0 in game deciding, you know, game sevens or deciding games right, of a right. postseason. Um, and he was the best player of his era. He was dominant. Well, and I, if I'm not mistaken, every one of the starting five on that Celtics team is in the Hall of Fame. Right, right. They were. Yeah. I mean, you had, it, it was an incredible. Yeah, I certainly Casey Jones, Don exactly. Nelson. Yeah. Yep. So I, I thought about that. And then I thought about, like, right now, is is it better that LeBron went to Miami to win championships, then come back against uh, Golden State with what he did with Cleveland, then go to the Lakers in a pandemic season in a bubble and win those championships and being put up, uh, being, you know, having these individual numbers that will make him probably number one on many lists. Mm-hmm. So is that what you put as number one or is it? Michael Jordan, who gets three in a row, goes and plays baseball and then comes back after taking all that time off and wins three in a row. I, I, it's it's hard. It's really hard, but it's fun to do. I can tell you that. And we'll give you ours quickly. And we'll, like Dan said, we'll take a deeper dive into... Okay, so we'll go through it quickly yeah. here. And then so we'll why don't you give me your five and okay. uh, I'll give you mine. All right. With the NHL, I went with the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major League Baseball, if it includes... Steroid guys, I'm going to go Barry Bonds. Fair. Uh, if it's the NBA, I struggled with this. And I know some people are like, how is it a struggle? But again, I went from eras and that kind of thing. I went Michael Jordan. 
And I know you're going to be shocked with my NFL pick here. I'm going Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor was absolutely... Let me tell you this. He was probably the best defensive player in the history of the game and changed the game. Exactly. That's why I went with him. He is the best defensive player, in my opinion. The reason that all these left tackles make so much money now is because Lawrence Taylor came into existence. No doubt. And that's part of the deep dive I'll talk about. And then uh, my outlier guy if you will Mm -hmm. uh was michael phelps and i really struggled with this one because i thought should i go tiger with Mm -hmm. his individual um accomplishments in golf and i even thought jack nicholas too but i went uh michael phelps and i'll get into that uh coming up too Uh, just as an aside early on in the history of the fast lane andre tippett was going to make the pro football hall of fame and demarco sat to my right and i was sitting here saying hey Lawrence Taylor is the best ever, and there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt. None. And he's saying, no, Andre Tippett was as good as him. And I said, no. So I said to DeMarco, do you have faith in Hanny? Yeah, I have faith in Hanny. So during a commercial break, I went and put put Hanny on speakerphone. I said, Hanny, who's the best defensive player of all time? Well, it's Lawrence Taylor. I said, well, uh, uh, DeMarco's saying it's Andre Tippett. How do you think they compare? And Hanny said, you blank kidding me, DeMarco? <laughs> DeMarco. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you blank and kidding me? It was the best. I love it. So, it, and Lord, man, football Cardinal fans, Neil Lomax will tell you it was yeah. Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and the reason that Louis Sharp got drafted by the Rams in the, or by the Cardinals in the first round in 1982 is because of Lawrence Taylor. Dan, I took Jerry Rice as my number one football player of Thought all time, that. NFL yep. guy. I took Michael as my NBA guy. I took Gretzky, like you did, as my NHL guy. My Major League Baseball guy, guy is Babe Ruth, and there's a, a lot of things we can do here, and we'll get into it later. And then I did go with Tiger. You considered Tiger. I took Tiger with that dominance from 1997 through 2008. And having the Tiger slam at one point, I decided to go with Tiger Woods. And, and with the, I really like the one, like the single athlete that you're looking at. I, I thought Serena Williams, maybe. I thought JJK. I thought yeah. Muhammad Ali. Serena's unbelievable. I thought Bo Jackson. Yep. Yeah, there, you, you have a lot of opportunities to be creative with your wild card. Yeah, game. but so, Michael Phelps... I think you make the case is the greatest Olympian ever. Mic drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on your 101 ESPN app. And what it is is a player from each of the major pro four, four pro sports, NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL, plus a wild card can come from team sports or you can do an individual guy. And we'll get more into this at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. Coming up. Colorado seems to be dominating the Central Division over the Blues and everybody else. What do the Blues need to do to beat Colorado in a playoff series? That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. At 8.45, we're going to talk to our friend Ozzie Smith. He's got a big event coming up that you can still participate in. Uh, Darren Pang will join us at 8.15, and we're going to talk to Claves later in the show as well. But, Dan, right now, when you look at the NHL standings, the Blues are kind of scuffling, not 
in and of themselves, but in the division, pretty much everybody is scuffling behind the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado has 67 points. They're 32-8-3. and three. They've won 10 in a row. They've won 17 straight on home ice. They have 67 points. Nashville has 58, nine points behind. And the Blues and Wild are both 10 points behind Colorado. And that begs the question, the Blues mm. will probably have to get through them in the playoffs. How do they do it? I don't know. I, uh, you know, seeing them earlier in the year when they had two of their big guns out, one was injured, the other one was COVID. Uh, I'm not sure how you stop that top line, Randy. And and that's, you know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, if you're the Blues, about trying to find more of that grit or just a true stay-at-home, rough, rugged, mm-hmm. big defenseman. And maybe that's something that you have to try to go find to, for the physicality of that. But in any way you look at the Avalanche right now, and goaltending could be suspect for them before it's yep. all said and done. That That's kind of the one thing I, I looked at going into this year with them. In terms of their roster, they're loaded. But goaltending, mm, but it's been pretty good. They lead the league. Actually, they're second in the league now. Uh, in goal differential at plus 55. They're first in scoring at 4.14 a game, but they're 17th in goals against. So that goes to what you're talking about at 2.93. Dan, I don't, the more I look at this, I don't think it's about a defenseman for the Blues. I think it's the Blues playing their game. The only way you can beat Colorado is to maintain puck possession in the offensive zone. It doesn't matter what defenseman you have, how big or how fast or how deft your defensemen are. If... That line of Landeskog and uh, McKinnon, and uh, at the moment, uh, they, they pit, put Burakowski out there, but Rantanen is going to be there come playoff time. If they have the puck, they're going to score. doesn't matter right. what defense they're going against. The way for the Blues to beat them is essentially to play keep away yeah. and, and maintain puck possession, and that's incumbent upon your forwards to forecheck and keep the puck in the offensive zone because – if the the Avalanche get the puck and maintain puck possession in the in the offensive zone, they're going to score. It's just the way it is. And you look at like how the Oilers have done it when they've come to St. Louis, and you look at that top line. Holy cow, are they flying! Mm-hmm. And when they have puck possession, like what we've seen with the Avalanche, you're right. I mean, I, I agree with you. You're chasing the puck, you're chasing bodies, and eventually they're going to find the back of the net. Maybe it's more about not what they do. But can you get a Billy Huso or Jordan Bennington to get hot, too? Yep, you I need mean, that. You that, absolutely have to have that's that. That's the other part of this, the the equation of looking internally of saying, well, what are the pieces that we have that we can make this um, a team that can win? And right. by the way, I think the Blues can win a cup. I, I, I do, too. I, I think they're going to be one of the, the teams that you look at. I don't know if they're going to be the favorite, but I think they if they won it, people wouldn't be shocked like they were a couple of years ago. Um and part of that is due in, due in part to the fact that you have to get great goaltending. Well, and and again, coming off this break, we talked about it yesterday. I'll be fascinated to see what they do with their goalies and to see where Jordan Bennington is at. Now, if the Blues do get into a series against the Avalanche, they've got some advantages too. Number one, the Blues are sixth in goals per game in the NHL at 3.43, 10th in goals against. So they're top 10 in both of those categories. They're PK is third in the league. Their power play is third in the league. And this is really hard to do. I would find it impossible to do in and of uh, my, myself if I was on the ice. But Nassim Kadri, who's having a career year offensively. He's an awesome player. He is. But he's going to take penalties. And he's going to try to draw you in. You have to just ignore. And that's really hard to do because he he's a dirty crazy. player. Yep. 
He's trying to hurt people. He did last year. He got just like Claude Lemieux. Yep, he is. You have to allow him to take penalties and count on the officials to call those penalties so that you can get on the power play. So it's about puck possession, being disciplined, you know, the things that we talk about a lot in regular season play. I thought the Blues got away uh, with that uh, from that a little bit on Saturday against the Jets. Um, but again, this, this next month for the Blues is really a, a – a testing time for them because mm-hmm. of some of the makeup games and the fact in the next month. So when they begin on the 10th, when New Jersey comes to Enterprise Center, the Blues are home only four times. And it's something like eight of the next 12 games are on the road. And that's when you can, I don't know if you can catch the avalanche. That might be too hard to do. So what do you got to do to beat them in the playoffs? But you're going to find out about your team too, because the Blues have been okay on the road. Not great. They've been really good at home. But that is something that is also kind of a telltale, too, is I always find that when you get into February and March and teams start playing for something and that carrot mm-hmm. is there and you can start to see the points that will get you that magic number that gets you into the playoffs, teams play differently, too. Yeah. And and that's something to watch in the next month or so with the St. Louis Blues. Dan, you know what else is interesting about Colorado? And this I, I go back to the Blues and our discussions about the Blues making a move. But their top three defensemen, McCarr is good player. Maybe the best in the league, but he only weighs 187 pounds. He's 5'11, 187. Devin Taves is uh, 6'1, 191. Sam Girard is 5'10, 170. Now, do they have some big guys in former blue Eric Johnson, who's a monster, 6'4, 225, and Jack Johnson, 6'1, 227. He's one of their top five, top six. But the, the guys that are 225, 230 pounds, they aren't their key guys. They're best defensemen. They're the guys that get the most ice time for Colorado. They're 170, 180, 190 pounds. Yeah. Well, they're the ones that can move the puck, yep. too. And that's they what the Blues skate. have to count on is Justin Falk is fine. Krug, we know that he's a power play specialist, but he's had a really good year. And those two together have had a really good year. And... If you're the Blues, you need your big guys. You need Pareko, the physically big guys, Pareko yep. and Mikola to be playing at their peak level come playoff time. I just don't know if you're ever going to see Pareko, and it's unfair to him because of how big he is, mm-hmm. and he's a good player, if he's ever going to be the physical player that, that fans want Never him to be. be that. You yep. know, it's just when you watch him, he's just not – that's not his style of play. He's been gifted this great body of being big, being strong, um, and a good player and a good skater, I mean, all those things. He's not Chris Pronger. And, and that's, I think we got to get it out right. of our minds, including myself, that that's not his style no, of play. Never be. And I think right now, kind of what you see is what you get. I don't know if that's worthy of the deal that he got because he's, he's really good. He's not an all-star. I think he had to but have he's a really good. You had to have a solid guy. I, I would just say he's solid. Yeah, For the most part, yeah. every night you're, you're going to get a good yep. effort, and he's going to be solid. Are they going to be sometimes better than average efforts or great efforts or great performances? Yes. Are there going to be some subpar? Yes. So in the middle, what is it? Solid. And I think that's what he is. He's one of those guys that when paired with Jay Bomeister oh, yeah. was great and is probably not going to be – what he can be can't get the most out of his abilities unless he's paired with a guy like that so that's what i'm saying if you get that kind of player are we going to get more out of the other players that are around him so if you you get that rugged defenseman are you going to get more out of pareko that's the guy i would pair him with because of why exactly what you just said a couple years ago in that stanley cup run and if 
they they can't get a guy like Jay Bomeister during the season with their cap issues. He's, he's just too good. And other teams that have cap room are going to be going after whoever that guy might be. Right. The Blues aren't going to be able to get that guy during the season. So what they need is Mikola to keep ascending in the last half of the season. I think he's going to be fine. I do too. Mikola, and, and he had the awful game in Calgary. And I think to the coach's credit, they a lot of coaches would have benched him. He would have been gone mm-hmm. to the press box. Remember, and, and at the tail end of that game, basically the third period, he didn't play. He was benched. I think he was minus five in the game. And he came out with 19-23 of ice time, I think it was, had an assist, played well, blocked shots, and gave him confidence. And and that's how you get a guy better, in my opinion. <clears throat> and some guys respond differently when they get banished to the press box and they come out guns a-blazing. Other guys, it's a shot for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's tough, and they don't bounce back. I think they handled him right in saying, hey, we believe in you. We're going to put you back out on the ice. And this is all about experience, isn't it? You've seen it. You've been around hockey enough. We, we both heard a million times the hardest thing to learn in sports is becoming an NHL defenseman yeah. at, at a young age. And they can bring in Larry Robinson. They could bring in Scott Stevens. The Al. key, you're right, but 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 it's all about experience at this right, point. You, right. you just have to keep playing games and keep getting minutes and keep getting reps, and unfortunately, make those mistakes so that you don't make them again. I I would agree. Um, I still though would love to see a rugged defenseman come to town. I now, would too. I don't know where you're going to get him, and I I agree. You could, you could run into cap issues. You could you would have to get creative, mm-hmm. but I think you could you know that's. Right now, in my opinion, I think that's what is missing a little bit with the Blues. But we both agree that if the Blues play their game, and they're capable of playing the game they They played in 2019. They can hang with them. I don't know if they're better than them, and that's where your goalie's got to steal you a game or two. Yeah, and it has happened. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, there was a lot of quarterback movement last year in the NFL. Will it be different in 2022? That's next on Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. There was a ton of quarterback movement last offseason in the NFL, and one of the quarterbacks that moved, Dan, is in the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford going from Detroit to Los Angeles for Jared Goff. But you had so many more. You had Sam Darnold going from the Jets to Carolina. You had Teddy Bridgewater going from Carolina to Denver. Andy Dalton goes from Dallas to the Bears. Drew Brees retired, and he was replaced by Jameis Winston as the New Orleans starter. Ryan Fitzpatrick went from Miami to Washington. Carson Wentz from Philadelphia to Indy. Deshaun Watson didn't play in 2022. Tyrod Taylor replaced him for a while in Houston before Davis Mills took over. Plus, you had Mac Jones taking over for Cam Newton in New England, and Zach Wilson was taken by the Jets. So you had about a third of the teams in the NFL (laughs) undergoing a quarterback change last year, and we might have something similar this year with the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger and the apparent retirement of Brady, and we don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going to be. Man, there could be a, a lot of movement again. If I'm Tampa Bay, I go out and get Aaron Rodgers. I would too. If Brady does indeed retire, that's the first thing I do is I, I force Green Bay to tell me no, and I make a substantial offer because I can win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers next year. Absolutely, and I think we're we're finding that with this game, the way that it's being played, and the way that Brady lasted well into his 40s, Rodgers is 37, so you you could have him for a five year run potentially. I mean, you could have him for at least three. Right. At least three. You might be able to get Chris Godwin, who's an unrestricted free agent wide receiver, 
you might be able to get him on a one-year deal because he's coming off of the injury, the, the torn ACL. So he might feel like, okay, well, if I have Aaron Rodgers throwing me the ball, my chance to increase my value is greater in Tampa, where I already know the system and I know all the guys, than it would be somewhere else. I uh, I, I find this stuff interesting. Um, in the NBA, we see player movement just nonstop, and we see movement in Major League Baseball because of a free agency. And that's fine. That's that's the, the sports in this day and age. But uh, in terms of, of Aaron Rodgers and not let's not talk about the off the field stuff, but his legacy of on the field. Do you, how diminished do you think it is that he goes in? So for me, for Brady, it didn't diminish him by going to Tampa Bay because he went and won a Super Bowl and right. showed that he Agreed. could do it minus Bill Belichick and the system and that organization. But if Rodgers goes to Tampa Bay, such a historic uh, franchise that he'd be leaving, where, for goodness sakes, Brett Favre didn't even finish there. Right. You, you know, and I that, mean, that would be the similar legacy. And we don't really remember Favre with the Jets or the Vikings. He was, He's he a was Packer. A, he was a play away from going to the Super he Bowl with the Vikings. Yeah. And if Aaron, Aaron Rodgers goes to the right place, if he goes to Pittsburgh, if he goes to Tampa, he could be in the same situation. Now, the, the problem is going to be. After Rodgers moves, what happens with the team that doesn't get him? Obviously, if Green Bay trades Rodgers, they've got their guy. Jordan Love is going to be their guy. You think they're done with Rodgers, though? I don't. I I don't either. I I think they're going to say, you either play here or go ahead and just sit out and retire. So if Tampa Bay doesn't get Aaron Rodgers, they drafted Kyle Trask from Florida in the second round. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. He's a big guy, 6'5", 240. I don't think Blaine Gabbert, love Blaine Gabbert, but I don't think he's the answer to replace Aaron Rodgers. I'd much rather take my chances on a guy that I liked enough to draft number 64 last year. How about, uh, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, do you think Deshaun Watson plays in the NFL again? If he didn't play this year, why is he going to play next year? I don't see this league, and I know this league has played some really sketchy individuals, but I don't see this league at this point putting somebody like that on the field. What owner would allow his team to go get that guy and put him on the field? Now, where's he at legally? Do you know what the he latest is? He still has never been arrested on criminal charges. Right. And the civil cases are still pending. So, so he could settle all the civil cases and get people to, I would think, not press charges. It's been a long investigation, and they still haven't pressed charges. So, I mean, if you get through that point, then, then maybe, there's going to be teams that do it. Th- then maybe they, they would. And he would be a valuable commodity. So you've got Houston. They, they're going to need a guy, and it might be Davis Mills. And that, there's but, no way he goes back to Houston. No, and th- that's a train wreck, that, that situation. Yeah. San Francisco probably moves Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G would be great in Pittsburgh. Why? Number one, he kind of fits what they do. They don't need a guy... If they play the style that Mike Tomlin wants to play, they're going to run the ball and they're going to succeed off a of play action. And they've got three really good receivers. They've got two really good running backs, especially Najee Harris, a really good running back. If they can rebuild their offensive line, then the guy that replaces Roethlisberger is put in a great spot. By the way, they've also got he, – he had George Kittle in San Francisco. Yeah. has George Kittle at the moment. That rookie, Pat Freermuth, that they drafted in the second round last year, he's really good. I I think their system and what they desire is a great fit for Jimmy G. It, it does make some sense because they 
I don't know if the right way to put it is protected Roethlisberger, but they didn't expose him right. with yep. how they did it, and and maybe that's the way it you have to go playoffs. about it with yeah with Jimmy G. Um, I like Jimmy G. By the way, I do too. He's a winner, and he he would just be you know the the Italian kid, and he's played in cold weather. He grew up in Illinois. He played at Eastern Illinois, so he gets and obviously was in New England, so he gets that part of it. Okay, let's hit some other teams here. Uh, we've taken care of San Francisco. It's going to be uh, the the kid that they drafted last year, Houston. Uh, what does Seattle do with Russell Wilson? And does Russell Wilson get moved? And is he a New Orleans Saint, depending on who their coach is? I would move him in a heartbeat because it seems to be that if it's not a rebuild next year, it's coming. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, look, this is a very, very big chip that we have. And if we're going to rebuild or at least try to turn this thing around quickly – that's how we could do it. Even you, though it's hard yep. to find the elite quarterbacks in this league. Would you agree? Yeah, it is. But I would, if I were them, and they're going to keep Pete Carroll. Well, I was going to ask, say, though, yeah. how much longer is Pete Carroll going to stay? 70. I think that's kind of the big so, wild card there because, you know, Pete Carroll's not going to go through a rebuild. So, so you, you just you kind of almost essentially clean house is what yeah. I'm saying. And maybe Carroll's last year is a bad one and you set yourself up to draft a quarterback. But somebody's going to wind up with a, a pretty good player. People forget that in his last year, granted, he had the 30-30 year Jameis Winston his last year in Tampa. But he also... Threw for 5,000 yards right. and threw for 65%. And now he's got a couple of years under Sean Payton. He had that year with Drew Brees. He was off to a good start before he got injured. Jameis Winston would be a good fit in a lot of places, including back in New Orleans. But if he goes to the Washington football team with Ron Rivera, he'd be a good fit there. He If the uh, Seahawks would trade Russell Wilson. He would be a good fit there with a guy like Pete Carroll and with the talent that they have. I'm intrigued to see what happens with Jameis. How about the fact that there was reports, uh, <laughs> and this is how desperate teams get at times, but there were reports that they were asking Drew Brees to come out of retirement. Yeah. Uh, Peyton admitted at his press conference he did. Yeah. And Brees turned him down. How about that? Yeah, for the Monday night game against Miami. Yes. By the way, one other place is Carolina because Sam Darnold is a disaster. And if Harbaugh winds up going either to uh, the Vikings or the Dolphins, Matt Rule, the Panthers coach, really wants that Michigan job. So they could be starting over in Carolina. That's one owner that might be willing to roll the dice on Deshaun Watson is David Tepper in Carolina. Did you watch the uh, press conferences for the new coaches yesterday? I saw a little bit of each, yeah. It it was interesting. I mean, it's kind of... You know, one guy was scripted, one guy really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm pulling for Eberflus because of what he did in Mizzou, yep. and he's a Pinkle guy, and um, and by all accounts, it seems like he's ready for the job. But, man, do you do to yourself a disservice if Jim Harbaugh was out there and has the itch to go back to the NFL and you don't go get him? I said at the beginning of the process the Bears had to make Jim Harbaugh say no, and apparently they never even interviewed him. I thought he was going to wind up in Vegas. That would make sense, too. And Josh McDaniels is not the answer. We know that. He's not the brightest guy. Hey, you know what? And, and we've got 30 seconds here. I'll, I'll do take 30. You take 30. But we learned That's it with 60. Coach. Yeah, so, and we've got a minute. Okay. We learned it with Coach Vermeil. <laughs> and in, in the NFL, for the head coach, it's not about X's and O's. It's about leadership within the building. And then you hire people to do the jobs below you. Brian Dable might be a perfect offensive guy for the Giants, 
But this is all about charisma and leadership. In the NFL, Sean McVay is a really good X's and O's guy, but he's a leader. Kyle Shanahan, really good X's and O's guy, but a leader. You see it with a guy like Zach Taylor. He's not only a leader of the franchise, but a leader of the community. It's so much more than X's and O's when you're a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, and you better have the Jimmies and Joes. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it all comes got to have players making plays. That's right. It comes down to players. But I, I'm with you. It is uh, the charisma that is in the building. And you were out at Rams Park daily. You could feel a difference with a head coach that had the command of the entire front office, the entire build. I yep. mean, down to the people that are selling tickets, to the people that are drawing up uh, – the stat sheets. Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, I, everybody was on the same page. And it wasn't just about, you know, looking at game film. And I know that sounds crazy. And you got to have players make mm-hmm. plays. You got to have the players. But these people do command the entire organization. It's amazing. Everybody in that building under Dick Vermeil was pulling the rope in the same direction. And I like Scott Linehan personally, but polar opposite in terms of charisma. By the way, Scott Linehan is down in Columbia with his son. And I wonder if Bill O'Brien winds up back in New England or oh, yeah. if he winds up as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. If Linehan, who worked with Saban in Miami, was Saban's offensive coordinator yeah. before he came here, I wonder if Linehan or Jason Garrett might wind up as the offensive coordinator at Alabama. I think with Linehan, it's more about, I think he's basically a non-paid assistant. Yeah, I, I think right. he is. Yeah, he's just a consultant. And he wants to be around his, his family and his yeah. son. I think his son is on the staff. So I don't know if he would do that because it's more of a family decision than it is, you know, moving up the chain and, and money. But it's different when it's Nick, Nick Saban, Saban calling it. Yeah, I got you. I, I got you. No, I agree. Coming up, get your text in for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Six five seven eight zero. That's the Air Comfort Service text line for Take It or Leave It. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and Matt Rocchio, and we want to hear from you for Take It or Leave It. And Dan, we've talked before on this show about sixty-five-year-old former Vikings coach Mike Zimmer. Got to keep an eye on that guy. Yeah, uh, dating a supermodel, Katarina McKeaton, uh, who is a Maxim model, and after. Zimmer got fired. She went on social media to blast their former general manager, Rick Spielman. She she tweeted, Rick, how can you build a team when you you refuse to talk to the coach and don't show up? You talk a lot to everyone else, just not the ones who mattered when the organization needed unity. You caused the separation. Your gossip needs to stop. Let's talk facts. She said, not talking to your coach for three months, Rick. Backpedaling and spin always have been your game. Take it or leave it. Mike Zimmer having Katarina McKeaton having his back is better than having another NFL job. <laughs> take it. <laughs> I'm going to take it too. Very it's, impressive. It's, Katarina's uh, impressive, and she's got his back. And he's 65. Yeah. And she's probably how what? 38. 38. In her prime. You think there's some point like next November where he could break off like 
quarter million by like working four weeks as an analyst for Saban on like a defensive game plan no, for like no, four games or something like that. No That's all you got to do. Just like break off, you know, help yeah. out Nick Saban with a game with a three or four games a year. Break off a cool, you know, quarter million and live your life up with her. Yep. You don't need anything else. I'd say Pretty take good. it, take it or leave it. Significant others and family members need to stay off of social media of the. Uh, if you're affiliated, let's say with a professional athlete, I will take that. Yes. I would take that too. Yeah. yeah. It's, as a matter of fact, there's a meme going around with a photo of a Photoshop of Joe Burrow looking like Kevin McAllister, <laughs> and it says, "I made Jackson and Brittany disappear." <laughs> <laughs> Matt, he's got some of the take it or leave it. Yeah, right? six okay. five seven eight zero. Oh, what do you got, Matthew? Well, that's like the Mahomes stuff. I'm just like, yeah. stop. Take it or leave it. Oh wait, here we go. Take it or leave it. The Chiefs Super Bowl window is rapidly closing. I'm going to leave that, and I'm going to leave it because they still have Patrick Mahomes. If you have an elite quarterback, you still are. You're going to lose some pieces around you. Obviously, you're not going to lose him, and he's going to keep you at least in games and have a chance to win a lot of games. So I, I don't think that that it's it's closing just yet. I am going to take that with the emergence of the young quarterbacks in that conference. We saw what Josh Allen did. Uh, we know what the Chargers are and what they're becoming. Uh, and if Rodgers would wind up in Denver, that would be very scary. But they're going to lose to Rob Matthew. The, the half-billion-dollar contract eventually is going to come back to haunt them with I think they're kind of in a situation, Dan, like the Rams were after the 2001 Super Bowl, after Super Bowl 36, where things could fall apart for them in a hurry. They could, but I, I just think when you have that elite of a player, and mm-hmm. he is arguably the best. Yeah. Um, I think he is right now. I, I do too. I, I think you still have a chance to continue to win. So I'm going to say that that window is still open. Take it or leave it. You're never rooting for a team outside of St. Louis more than you will root for the Cincinnati Bengals in two weeks. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, sure. <laughs> I've done it before. I've rooted really hard for the Giants in a couple of Super Bowls. Against? 07. Against the Patriots. 07 and 11. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Eli. You love Eli, don't you? He's one of my all-time favorites. I bet. Just David Ameri- Tyree. Yeah, just saved a- America twice. Yeah. yeah. Great American. Plexico. Come on, Plexico, though. What you doing wearing sweats into a club? I mean, or, you, you do that all the time. But you well, just, I don't you carry just, a gun in that's, that's, what say. that's the part of the situation you have an issue with is why you're wearing sweats into the club? Well, does he shoot himself he in the leg? Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying don't bring the gun into the club. Well, <laughs> well that's what it, Randy's saying. Yeah, but you shouldn't wear sweats into the club either. Fair enough. Take it or leave it. The Blues at least get to the second round of the playoffs. Take it. Take it. Take it or leave it. Randy needs to do a jet copter report on Thursday when we get all the snow. Oh, totally take it. But, yeah, I think. Uh, traffic and weather together. What would Uncle Randy say about uh, what's going on right now with the weather outside and how to prepare here in St. Louis? Well, kids, we got to get better. Number one, one thing you don't do is get everything for French toast because I'm not a huge French toast guy. Get like a 10-pound bag of waffle and pancake mix. So you're going to tell everybody to go panic and go to the grocery store and load up so no. we got like 10 deep? I'm saying be prepared. Like... But to get prepared, you have to go to the grocery store. Well, but you don't have to all go at once. And by the way, you should already be prepared right now. I've got a huge thing of waffle and pancake mix in my pantry. And you have that when it's 90 degrees. Yeah, exactly. So that's (laughs) that's one thing about it. And the other is, 
Don't think that you're going to be able to get on the road tomorrow morning because the snow is supposed to start at midnight tonight. Don't think you're going to get out at 7 a.m. tomorrow and drive down 270 or 40 or 44 or 55 or 170. You're not going to be driving 65 tomorrow. Okay, so plan on a slow commute tomorrow morning, and we will have Jetcopter reports for you. I I can't take the uh, remote unit to my house and do it from my basement. Dan, you can do that. Oh. That is... Absolutely allowed. All right. I won't, but I just wanted to see if Dan's, I could. Dan's got a beautiful studio set up in his basement for yeah. both radio and TV. Yeah, yeah. You can do that if you want. Okay. I'm thinking about taking over that offer for the hotel room. Yeah. During the pandemic, when I was doing the fast lane, BT and Ronj were at home the whole time. How many weeks did you guys do that remote? Months. Did you really? Yeah. Did you come in here? I was here every single day. I, yeah. Because I could not handle being at home. We would come back from a break. I guarantee Joan it. appreciates that. Yeah, we, we would come back from a break, and I... Yeah, she does. Uh, <laughs> we would come back from a break, and I w- there would be a time where I wouldn't be here because I'd be distracted by something, playing with a dog or you know yeah. watching something on TV. It would just happen. It would be inevitable. The production of the last two years in life, has, if you could put a percentage on it, how much it dropped... Oh yeah, no. It's apparently like production for companies has gone through the roof because people. Like in, I mean, like in certain businesses. Not. I'm. I'm just. Oh. I'm saying in certain areas. There's no doubt that that's the case where you're actually making things and you have to be somewhere. Yeah, but people are like, yeah, I'm not going in. The thing is, people working from home, they they don't stop now. Where they right. used to leave at five thirty, now they have dinner and they go back and say, yeah, I, I got time to finish this. I was thinking today on the way into the studio, how much. The traffic has changed from when I first started here. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I first started here, it was pre-pandemic, and then we hit the pandemic, and I came in just like you did. I did all the shows here. I mean, it was a ghost town, and it didn't. Uh, it, there was nobody on the streets. It was right. crazy. But it's we amazing. were here. We were. Uh, let's get we one more, cared. Matthew. Uh, take it or leave it. The Blues definitely need to trade for an elite defenseman, preferably the Coyotes' Chitrin. I'll leave that. Oh, I'll, I'll take that. Jacob Chikorin is a nice player, but are you going to give up one of your top six forwards? Are you going to give up like... Well, you didn't ask me that. Well, the guy's making 4.6 for the next four years, so you're going to have to give up probably a Thomas or a Kairou. No, I'm not doing that. And then you're going to have to get rid of some salary that is valuable. Like like Bill Armstrong, he's not Gandell off your hands for Jacob Chikrin. No. You're going to have to give up four things. You probably give up Perunovic, Thomas, or Kairou, a number one, and then something else that gets you up to that 4.6 plateau. Where do you guys think the Coyotes go? I mean, are they going to survive? Apparently, yeah. They're going to play at Arizona State's Arena, the 5,000-seat arena next year for the, like the next three or four years, and they're, they're building in Tempe. It's official that they're building in Tempe. I know, but... Mm. So, um, you want to see the money first? Mm. I... I I don't dislike Jacob Chikrin. I think he's a really good player. But I think what the Blues need, it'd be nice to get another offensive type, a big offensive type all-around defenseman. I don't need an offensive defenseman. But I think what the Blues need is, like we're talking about, a more rugged guy. That's what I want. That can clear out the crease. All right. That is Teoli on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we want your mic drops. We want your texts. You get to pick a Mount Rushmore plus one. One player from each MLB, the NHL, the NFL, and the NBA, plus a wild card guy from an individual sport guy or woman. Can be Serena, can be Simone Biles, whoever you want it to be from either an individual Olympic sport or team sport, if you like another team sport player. And we want your texts and mic drops. You're going to participate next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It is 8.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Okay, we want you to weigh in. And Dan and I have our Mount Rushmore plus one. Danny, I'll get things started here. I have, as my NFL representative on Mount Rushmore, Jerry Rice over Tom Brady. And Tom Brady with the seven Super Bowl championships, an extraordinarily viable candidate to have his etching up on this Mount Rushmore. But... Brady had 5% more yards than Drew Brees. He had 9% more touchdown passes. Dominant, yes, but you look at Jerry Rice historically, and Jerry Rice did not play in a passing era. Jerry Rice kind of turned us into a passing era. Jerry Rice had 24% more yards than the next receiver, Larry Fitzgerald, in history. 24%. So Larry Fitzgerald's number two all time and has three quarters of the yards of Jerry Rice. Rice has 21% more touchdowns than number two, Randy Moss. So I've got Jerry Rice up there as my NFL guy. My NBA guy, Michael Jordan. Well, maybe we should go NFL, NFL. Okay, okay. you start with your NFL guy. All right, so then, because um, I wanted to be kind of counter what you were doing. So I, I went on the, the uh, defensive side of the football, and I went with LT. Great call. Lawrence Taylor had to play the run in that era as opposed to pass rushers in this era and dominated for a long time. I mean, he had a 13-year career where guys at that position don't last that long and dominated just about every single year that he played and won a couple of Super Bowls. So I'm going LT. I thought LT changed the game defensively, and that's why I went with him. Number 56, discombobulated Yeah, Neil Lomax here in St. Louis. For my NBA, for me, it was easy. It really was. Michael Jordan was in the finals six times, playing against the best of the best in his era, had six finals MVPs, willed his team to victory. So I have Michael Jordan as my NBA guy. So I was kind of torn on this with Bill Russell. I was thinking LeBron, but then I went back to Jordan. And I'm with you. So wins three, goes and plays baseball. He's out of the game, comes back, wins three in a row. He was 40 when he averaged over 20 a game. Now, think about yeah, that pretty amazing. on a bad team, yeah. too. And he scored 40-plus when he was over 42 in a game. So that's why he's the best in my mind. Dan, my NHL guy is former Blue Wayne Gretzky. Here's one of my favorite stats in sports. If you took away <laughs> Wayne Gretzky's record 894 goals. More assists than anybody's points. He's still the all-time points leader with 1,963. That's just his assists. Yarmir Yager's in second point uh, with all points with 1,921. That's how dominant Wayne Gretzky was. More assists than the number two guy has points. 617 of his eight, and I went with Gretzky too, of his 894 goals were even strength. That would put him in the top 16 of the league if you take away his power play goals. That's incredible to consider that. Um, And so I went with Gretzky. I was debating, do you do Bobby Orr? Because he changed the game and how a defenseman plays offensively and the amount of points and just he was a a great skater and all those things that go along with it. I also thought about Mario Lemieux. Mm -hmm. And Mario Lemieux was a fantastic player and dealt with cancer, saved hockey in Pittsburgh. Only Gretzky posted more points per game than Lemieux. Lemieux averaged 1.8 points. 
Gretzky 1.9, and he had 690 goals uh, in only 915 games, Randy. Amazing. But, but I'm still going to go with the great one, Wayne Gretzky. And when you're called the great one, you're the greatest. For baseball, and this might be the most fun argument, I went with Babe Ruth, had the 714 home runs, still one of the few to hit more than 700, still has the all-time record with a 690 slugging percentage, has the all-time OPS record at 1.164. And in addition to doing all he did, by the way, he was a 342, a 342 career hitter. In addition to that, Babe Ruth was 94 and 46 as a pitcher with a 2.28 career ERA. That's, <laughs> I guess, if you're looking for the all-rounded greatest player, physically it's, and <clears throat> it's Babe Ruth. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, he was, I, he was round. <laughs> yes, he was. He was big. Um, so we 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 went with the caveat of saying that um, we could include steroid guys. Anybody, if you want to put Sean Merriman in in the NFL, you can. I um, I you know I I really struggle with this one, and I guess I, it sounds like I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and I would struggle with this too. Even though now I've come to the conclusion, I'm just throwing everybody in so I can be done with it. Um, I was thinking Ruth, and because of that, he led or tied the AL in home runs twelve different times, the two two. ERA uh, in over 1,200 innings. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing that he was able to do that. Then you you think about Willie Mays and 660 home runs mm-hmm. playing in that ballpark out in the West Coast. Um, I was also thinking Hank Aaron. I don't think Hank Aaron gets enough credit he does for, not. you know, everybody talks about the home runs, but some of the other numbers that he had were just incredible. And I know this is going to frustrate some people. I went with Bonds. I mean, Bonds in his era was dominant mm-hmm. and never chased out of the zone. It, it, it a stretch of his career where his on-base percentage was ridiculous. He was hitting home runs. For God's sakes, Buck Showalter walked him with the bases loaded. So I would I would go with Barry Bonds. I know that's no, a lot that, of people aren't going to like that. Yeah, but totally. I, I, I had him on my list of possibilities. Yeah. And then I'm going to go with Tiger as my wild card. That 12-year stretch from 97 to 08. As great as Jack ever was, he never matched that. Tiger was absolutely dominant. Had the Tiger Slam, had all four trophies in his trophy case at one time. And yes, Muhammad Ali was spectacular, and I know he'll show up on a lot of lists. And Serena has been spectacular and should show up on a lot of lists. But I'm going with Tiger. I was thinking Serena. I was thinking JJK. I was thinking Muhammad Ali. I even thought Bo Jackson, you know, for a short amount of time. He was awesome in both sports, all-star and all-pro. But I went with Michael Phelps, who many consider to be the greatest Olympian um, ever. Now, you could go with Jim Thorpe, too. But Mm -hmm. I went with uh, Michael Phelps. 28 medals in the Olympics, Randy. 23 of the 28 are gold and 13 individual gold. 13 individual gold. And uh, I, I just think he's... The guy I would go with. So the rules here, an NBA player, an NHL player, an MLB player, an NFL player, player plus a wild card, whoever you want you want it to be. Matt Rocchio, who do you have? I'm going to go with Jerry Rice for my uh, football one. This has been my opinion for a very long time. You talk about the dominance in the moment, changing the game, stats above everybody else. It's all there. You guys kind of cataloged it already. I'm going to go with Bill Russell. Uh, if you win that many championships, 11. and when you match up against maybe the greatest athlete, if not in NBA history, maybe all sports history and Will Chamberlain, and you're able to outplay him consistently because you're just that good at the game, 
And, and then also, as I'll fall back on a couple things, I fall back on what people said, you know, who actually were able to watch him and people who talk about Bill Russell, you know, they talk like, like they saw a Greek god playing basketball and same thing with Will Chamberlain. But I'm going to go with Bill Russell for NBA. For baseball, I am going to go with Hank Aaron. And my big thing is if for baseball, if I'm going to pick the greatest of all time, it has to be after the color barrier breaks. It's just it's too much of a variable in the first half in the first half of the century. I I, I respect what those guys did. Obviously, that's the game they so put in front with? of them. I'm gonna go with Hank Aaron. Okay, Hank Aaron. Um, for my greatest of all time. I mean, total uh, RBI career leader, total base career leader. Obviously, he had the home run record for a long time. Hank Aaron's my number one for baseball. Played a few years, by the way, with no Latin players in baseball. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Um, but then they were, yeah, they were shortened even more. That's a good. That's a really good point, though. And then uh, hockey, just because I, I like to be uh, controversial, you already mentioned it. I'm going to go with Mario Lemieux. You talked about how every stat he's he's second to Gretzky, but when you, you you add in the other parts of his career and the what he overcame and everything like that, and the fact that he does it in a short period of time, I'm going to go with Mario Lemieux. And that's another one where people who talk about and kind of analyze it. There's a lot of people who watch both of them play who say, "Listen, Gretzky's got the numbers, but." If I had to take one hockey player for one game, I'm taking mm-hmm. I'm taking Mario. Good call. I was doing hockey at the time, and I so I saw Gretzky play when, well, I saw him with the Oilers with the Blues and the old backhand backhand, backhand pass. That's right, Randy. I saw one of the most amazing things I've seen. We we're in Pittsburgh at the old Igloo, mm-hmm. and Mario Lemieux had the puck out of his own zone, took it into the blue zone, and kept it for probably. Oh, I would say it was 25 to 30 seconds, which in hockey is an eternity. Mm -hmm. And it was a Hall of Famer on his hip. It was Al McKinnis trying to get the puck from him. And he he kept it from, he just kept wheeling and just kind of figurating and and doing the circles. And and it was, and nothing resulted in it. Nothing happened. Nothing, you know, came of it. There was no goal, but. Al McKinnis couldn't get the puck from Amazing. him. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And one of the other great things I've seen, too, is Al, it was Ovechkin, who's going to get, before it's all said and done, he's going to get some talk about being one of the greatest players. Already he is, mm-hmm. but he's, he's he has a chance yeah. to be the all-time leader in goals scored in this era, not in Gretzky's right. era, in this era. When you club, you know, you're clubbing guys, you got the, the clutch and the grabbing and the physicality, but I saw him just absolutely pulverize a blue on the boards, took the puck, and go down and score. And it was like, holy smokes. He's a physical presence on the ice, too. Matthew, who else you got? And my kicker is going to be uh, Leo Messi. Uh, I mean, we're, especially that's a good one. after the 20, you know, in the 21st century, to have that statistical outlier like a Will Chamberlain, like a Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. like a Wayne Gretzky, and do it in the way it's sports are played now, that's unbelievable what Leo that's Messi great. did across yeah. like a seven, eight year stretch. I mean, he had a couple years where he was scoring 50 goals in, you know, 30 games. It was just, it was an unbelievable what he did. From the 314, Brady, Gretzky, Jordan. The wild card is Tiger, and the baseball is Nolan Ryan. That's a great call. 5,700 strikeouts. Nobody will ever break that record. No. Here's another one from the 314. Like you, Dan, Lawrence Taylor, Dennis Rodman in basketball. Defensively. Who will join us later on in this hour. Chris Pronger and the wild card Muhammad Ali. So this person likes physicality and defense. That's for sure. I I would say so. Let me ask you this, though, Randy, with Brady, and I know we need to go through through Mm -hmm. some of these. If you don't have, if the Rams win that Super Bowl, is Tom Brady, Tom Brady. So what I'm saying is, you know, there was the taping of walkthroughs. You had Deflategate. How much is that going to tarnish what he's gone through? I don't think because of what happened in the last four Super Bowls, and especially the one in Tampa, I don't think that that's as tarnished. Okay. And now if, if you want to do the math, 
he carried Belichick. Belichick, his Belichick's winning percentage without Tom Brady isn't as good as Jeff Fisher's winning percentage without Tom Brady. Belichick has been to the playoffs. You don't he's, give Belichick enough credit. I'm sorry. Well, he's a product of Brady. Yeah, but look at what he coach. did as a coordinator. I mean, he's well, what Scott he's Linehan did good. as a coordinator. I mean, there's a lot of gr- guys that are really, really good coordinators that don't wind up being great head coaches. All right. So, and Belichick, right now, the statistics would tell you that he's a product of Brady. And, and so, more credit to Brady. For example, here's a text from the 314. I'm 55 years old to so the athletes I've seen play, going with MJ, Albert. Gretzky, Brady, and Tiger. For the era, you could say Albert is... Well, Albert will go down as one of the greatest hitters of all time and certainly in the top probably three, four of right-handed hitters ever. I think you can make that Mm -hmm. case. I'm with you. Uh, All right. Uh, By the way, somebody who agrees from the 618 with uh, Matthew with Lionel Messi being the plus one uh, all right, how about this? Barry Bonds, Wayne Gretzky, Magic, and Jim Brown. And the wild card is Jack. So I went with, so that was on my, like, two, was Jim Brown was going to be my my guy on, on the NFL. Uh, Magic is a great call. I did think about that. I thought about Oscar Robertson, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you think about Magic, if, if he doesn't come down with an illness, his longevity and how many championships and just how good he was at the time of his retirement, it was impressive yeah and one more from the 314 and we're going to do this again at nine o'clock by the way uh baseball babe ruth football tom brady hockey mario lemieux basketball wilt chamberlain and uh, the the plus one is usain bolt who else the 314 asks could break a world's record while showing off in an event under 10 seconds usain bolt did it yeah, Rick Pitino came close. I was not. I was waiting for it. I so, just didn't want right. to touch it. No, thank you. Uh, hey, we appreciate your texts. More mic drops and texts coming up at 9, and we'll revisit this. Next up, though, Panger talking a little bit about what the Blues need to do to beat Colorado. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home. With locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Danny Mack, Randy Carriker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Darren Pang joins us, as he does every Tuesday morning, even when we don't have any hockey for about 11 days. Panger, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, uh, Randy and Danny Mack. Hope all is well with uh, you two cats early this morning here. Uh, you know what? You, everything's going great. Sorry, Ian. i got to interrupt. But uh, I, I figured <laughs> that uh, you got to be somewhere warm playing golf. Uh, you know, Danny Mac, that would be the uh, that would be the bet of all bets, and uh, you'd be you'd be losing you'd be losing the car and the house and the ki- everything what? because wow. uh, uh, I've got to work. Actually, I've got a I've got a TNT game uh, tomorrow in Chicago, and then I've got another one uh, next Wednesday as well. Uh, so uh, so between then, I am going to go and see my uh, my two little granddaughters that live in New Jersey. So uh, no golfing. For uh, for me this time around, and and the break isn't as big as what I thought it was going to be originally. Man. You know, you know, we all thought that the break was going to be, you know, quite large with the with the Olympics, and so uh, so anyway, so the games got plugged in there. So I got to continue to roll. I got to continue to work, and 
you know, Dan and Max is trying to make up with your work schedule, pal. I understand, buddy. I mean, this is hard stuff. Man, I don't know how we do it. <laughs> hey, Panger, uh, Dan and I were talking a couple of segments ago about Colorado and how good they are and how mm-hmm. the Blues can best beat Colorado in a best of seven. I think we tend to underestimate how good the Blues are, especially their special teams. But right now, as we sit here at midseason, if the Blues are going to beat Colorado, how are they going to do it? Well, you know, I, I've i seen a few teams go at it and, uh, and you know, take away certain parts of their game. I think they're, they're such a highly skilled team, Colorado is. But like all highly skilled teams, Randy, they can be a little stubborn in their ways. Um, you know, that, that, I mean, that top line, they, they want to fly. They want to make plays. They want to gain the gain – the, uh, the blue line. They want to carry the puck into the offensive zone. And, you know, I've seen teams clog up the middle and defend and, and, and back check hard and, and not the best teams in the world or the most talented teams, but just hardworking teams. So I, I think, you know, in playing that, in playing them, uh, number one, they haven't done what this group of blues core players have done and they want it bad. They haven't won. You know, that's the Sackett era and Peter Forsberg and, and, and Patrick Waugh. Um, there's a lot of pressure on this group. So I think if you can get them out, out of their element uh, a little bit, then, then that can be frustrating. We saw a little bit of that last year with them in the playoffs. But if you want to give them time and space and you want to let them, let them go and make plays and put them on the power play, they're going to back you up and they're going to make you tentative. And that's what's basically happened to a lot of teams, including the Blues, when they get on a roll. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's always a way against highly skilled teams mm-hmm. because highly skilled players – will get highly frustrated if things aren't going their way. And Panger, Those are just the facts. Yeah, we yeah. talk a lot about the Blues going out and getting a defenseman, but as I think about this, to me the key for the Blues against a team like that is to play the way the Blues the, the, they play. You, you maintain puck possession in the offensive zone. You, you can't let those guys have the puck. Well, that's, that's something that you know, Chief really stresses is, is you know, ozone possession time. And, you know, uh, lately, that we the Blues really haven't had that identity. Um, you know, two games ago, David Prom probably played his best game. According to our stat, he led the Blues in, in ozone possession time with 58 seconds. That's a, that's a pretty good mark. If you're in the minute, minute and 10 per game at even strength, you're doing pretty good. So what I'm saying is it hasn't been done enough at this particular point. So, yeah, they've, they've, got, to, they've got to be less of a one-and-done kind of a pop gun offense and, uh, and and have that puck in the offensive zone a little bit more and, and just be stronger on it. Be more determined to hold on to pucks and, and use your points a little bit more and spread things out a little bit that way. Panger, uh, what do you think about the time off in terms of just the goalie situation? You being a former goalie and and now you get, a, a, a you know, the, the over a week off and for Bennington, maybe a little bit of a mental break, a, a reset and for Billy Huso, uh, he was rolling until over the weekend. How do you think this thing plays out, and and do you think that the time off is good for both? Yeah, I, I think it depends on how you use the timeout, but I think it's good for both. I I, I do. I think uh, you know, Villy Villy is. It's, I'm not going to say overperformed because that's that's not fair to Villy. I mean, he's been trending in this area, but boy, he's been darn good and gotten the Blues a lot of important points. Uh, and, you know, and 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 Benny's got to. He, he's got to come back and, and, and gain that net again. I mean, and not just take – he's got to take the net and he's got to run with it. And that's, that, that's what he did in, in 2019. He's, he's that kind of guy. So, um, from, from what I understand, a few of the boys went and saw the Chiefs uh, the, mm-hmm. other, uh, the other day and, and got out there. And 
I'm sure they saw the disappointment there, and they want to come back to St. Louis and, and not have our fans experience that disappointment. I, I think this, this group is a special group, and goaltending is going to be a huge part of it. So I would have to think that Binnington gets every opportunity to get right back in there, grab his net, and when you grab it, don't let anybody else in it. Panger, our conversation this morning is revolving around uh, a Mount Rushmore where you get to pick an NHL, MLB, NFL and NBA player plus one. And this is because of the reported retirement of Brady. A lot of people have Brady as the NFL goat. But you're a hockey historian. You, you're you good friends with Gretzky. You played against him. You played against Lemieux. So if you're going to pick a goat hockey player, who's your guy? Oh, it's Wayne. Okay. Um, and I, yeah, it's Wayne for sure. I mean, he's got more assists than anybody else has points. I mean, and, and I often say that if Wayne, this is funny, huh? but I often say if, if, if you want it to be a little more selfish, and, and uh, you know, in, in certain games, he probably could have had more points, to be quite honest with you. And I know there was a time in the 80s where Glenn Sather just let them, you know, stay on the ice and empty net goals and what have you. But, but there were a lot of times where I thought that he, he took the, his foot off the pedal a little bit only because it was just out of hand. So, now, I, Wayne, Wayne for me is, uh, is number one on that GOAT list. Yeah, we both had Gretzky as well. But I'll tell you what, it's unbelievable to look at Bobby Orr's career and understand yeah. that in his first 100-point year, he had 88% more points than the previous high for a defenseman. You talk, talk about a guy who changed the game, and Gretzky obviously did, but Bobby Orr yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be hard-pressed to, you know, you, you wouldn't be – have to convince a lot of people that put Bobby Orr there and there'd be no argument from the greatest of all time. He, uh, he thinks the world of Bobby Orr and same with, you know, Gordie Howe. I, I, I would, you know, obviously Bobby Orr, it's, he, was, he was so great, so unique, um, so gifted that uh, we, we, we all just got kind of, uh, unfortunately, didn't get to see him play long enough. But uh, I would agree with you that, uh, that if he played, what, another five more years, that he would be that guy right on top of that mantle. No doubt. Panger will be tuned in to TNT. Have a great broadcast and enjoy your few days off, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, sounds good, fellas. Take care. Thanks, Panger. All right, Panger. Thank you. you Darren Pang on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a quick fight, and then Ozzie Smith at 845 here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And away we go. Danny Mac with you, filling in for Michelle. Matt with us, Randy out of the studio. We say good morning to Brad, our challenger, to take on Randy this morning. Hello, Brad. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing real well. Thank you. You ready for the snow? No, man, not at all. What do you do for a living? Do you have to get out to your job? You work at home? What do you do? Yeah, I actually work at Illinois. I drive an hour to St. Louis Ooh, every day, boy. so I'm not looking. I uh, work for a laundry care. Oh, boy. In, in St. Louis there. Well, be safe, okay? Yes, sir. I appreciate that. You got it. All right. Good luck. Here we go. What franchise was the first to win back-to-back Stanley Cups? Was it the Montreal Canadiens, Detroit Red Wings, or Toronto Maple Leafs? Canadians. In Jerry Rice's f- last game as a 49er in Candlestick Park back on December 17th, 2000, Terrell Owens outshined the GOAT and set an all, at the time, NFL record with how many catches? Was it 20, 22, or 24? 
20. Cecil and Prince Fielder had eerily similar numbers in their career. Prince hitting just 20 more, having what, yep. 20 more uh, runs batted in, and the uh, father-son duo hitting the same amount of home runs. What was the home run total that they had? Was it 345, 319, or 399? 319. All right, and number four, this MLB star backed up Peyton Manning as a quarterback at Tennessee. Mark DeRosa, Adam Dunn, or Todd Helton? Todd Helton. Well done, Brad. Well done, my man. Let's bring in Randy. Come on, Randall. We have the wizard Ozzie Smith coming up at 845, don't we, Randy? Yes, and we have to hurry. There's a breaking news on ESPN, and it looks like it's either Tom Brady's not retiring or he still is, one or the other. Okay. But we've got breaking news. All right, we'll figure we'll it out. what it is when they figure it out. Randy, say good morning to Brad. Hey, Brad, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning, Randy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Always listening. Thank you. Uh, what franchise was the first, Randall, to win back-to-back Stanley Cups? First franchise to win the uh, Stanley Cup. Uh, I think I know this one, but just in case I... Should I do it? Um, I'll, I'll do the lifeline. Montreal Canadiens, nope. Detroit Red Wings, Toronto Maple Leafs. The first to win back-to-back first Stanley to Cups. Back-to-back. Okay, so I'm glad... Uh, Brady announces on Instagram officially that he is retiring. Uh, that's the breaking news. Uh, so I will go. I'm going to play the odds here. I'm going to go. Should I go Montreal? Montreal's got 27 championships. I'll go with Le Habitat. In Jerry Rice's last game as a 49er in Candlestick Park back on December 17, 2000, Terrell Owens outshined the GOAT and set an at-the-time NFL record with how many catches? I'll say 18. Cecil and Prince Fielder had eerily similar numbers in their career. Prince had just 20 more runs batted in in the father-son duo. They hit the same amount of home runs. What was that home run total? In their careers, they hit the same amount of home runs? I'll go 4-5-0. And this Major League Baseball star backed up Peyton Manning as a quarterback at Tennessee. Todd Hilton. Matt, we have a winner. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. When you went with the lifeline on the first one, I knew it was going to be tough. I thought it was going to be the Montreal Maroons. It was a tough, uh, tough fight here. Yeah. Okay, so what franchise was the first to win back-to-back Stanley Cups? Both got it right, Montreal Canadiens. I'll just keep going, Matt. Okay. In Jerry Rice's last game as a 49er in Candlestick, Terrell Owens outshined 20. him, and he had 20 catches. Yeah. 20. Uh, Cecil and Prince, they hit 319 mm, okay. home runs. And it was Todd Helton that uh, was the backup to Peyton Manning as QB at Tennessee. So, Brad, 
is uh, four for four today, not too shabby, and the winner of today's fight. And we will see Brad tomorrow. Thanks very much for joining us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the wizard, Ozzy Smith, with Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You're just tuning in. Tom Brady made it official this morning. He is retiring from football. He made an announcement on Instagram moments ago. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend, the Hall of Famer, the greatest defensive shortstop ever. We had the discussion during the break, the greatest defensive player ever. Ozzie Smith joins us. Oz, good to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? All right. How are you guys doing this morning? Everything's good. We're doing uh, a Mount Rushmore, a player from every sport. And I don't want to put you on the spot here and make you give me a, a player from every sport. But if you're going to start your Mount Rushmore with your MLB guy, who's your number one major league player ever? Major league baseball player ever. Um, okay, from a defensive standpoint? Overall. Overall. Um, well, you know, I, I, I guess being here in St. Louis, I'd have to, I'd have to start things with Bob Gibson, um, as my, as my first pick. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, we think of Bob as, as a, as a great pitcher, but Bob was a pretty good athlete. So, uh, I, from a baseball standpoint, I'd start with Gibson. I love that one. I, I'm curious, Ozzy. I've we were talking during the break, as Randy said. I said, "Man, you could make a case that Ozzy's the best defensive player that played this game. He's certainly the best defensive shortstop." I am curious, though, whether when you were growing up or when you were playing and you're watching on the other side, or when you watch now, who do you like to watch play defense? Is there somebody, whether it's at short or not, but you sit there and go, "Yeah." I'd, I'd take my money. I'd, I'd go pay and, and watch that guy play defense. Well, you know what? I've said this uh, many times, and I think that uh, personally, for, for me anyway, there's it's, it's something to be said about a guy who can stabilize a, a, a defense. And I think the San Francisco Giants became a much better team once Brendan Crawford started playing shortstop. Now, he's not flashy and everything, but he makes the routine play. And uh, he's become a much better offensive player as well, you know. So from a reliable standpoint, somebody who you know that 99.9% of the time is going to be able to make that routine play, I would go with Brandon Crawford. Ozzy Smith with us on 101 ESPN. And Ozzy's going to have his Ozzy and Friends Gala coming up at Ballpark Village on the 17th. And Oz, I know that there are still celebration sponsorships available as you bring together the greatest defensive infield of all time with yourself, Ken Oberfell, Tom Herr, and Keith Hernandez. Yes, uh, February 17th and at Ballpark Village, as you mentioned. And, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. And um, we finally got to a point to where uh, we said that, you know, it's it's time to do it because tomorrow's not promised to you. So uh, we're all getting older and stuff. So uh, we're going to try and do it this year. Uh, we also added uh, Jim Cott as well. You oh, know, cool. Who awesome. would be considered, who would also be considered a, an infielder as well with 16 
gold gloves. So there'll be a lot of lot of uh, gold floating around on the 17th of February <laughs> down at Ballpark Village. Hey, Ozzy, people that uh, came along in the mid-80s and would get out to the ballpark early to watch you practice your infield, they know what you did. But and, and I've never asked you this. What was it like when you and Keith Hernandez were on the same team? Did you guys practice infield together pregame? No, I think we both had our own different routine. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're all kind of unique in the way that we, we, we go about preparing for a game and and stuff. I know that after Keith got done with his work, he was a he was a puzzle. He was a puzzle guy too, you know. So he spent a lot of time in there doing his puzzles after he finished working out. And uh, I I just tried to you know to get away mentally and get to myself, you know. So we all had our routines and the things that we did. But uh, we take infield back in the day. We 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 took infield right up until game time, you know. So it was very important for us to all get together and and work together as a unit. And I think that that was part of what made us as good as we were, you know, because we did practice together and and worked as one unit. It's going to be a great night on the 17th down at Ballpark Village. Uh, I'm I'm curious, Ozzy, what did it mean to you to see Tommy get the red jacket, Keith, especially Keith, with everything that he went through here in town and, and it became, you know, the Mets and the Cardinals and he's a face of that franchise of the Mets, but he gets a red jacket. And then Jim Cott going into Cooperstown. So what did it mean to see those guys get those accolades? It was special and I thought, think it was uh, very well deserved by all those guys and um, probably a little later than uh, than it should have been, but uh, they are very, very deserving and they've all been a big part of the success of this organization through the years, you know, so I was happy to see all those guys uh, get that red jacket. The Wizard, Ozzie Smith with us on 101 ESPN. The National Hall of Fame had the vote last week. Big Poppy, the only guy to go in. Ozzie, you know the vibe of Hall of Famers. You're there every year. You're, you're heavily involved. What, what's the vibe about guys like Bonds and Clemens who now come off of the ballot? Well, you know, I think that they they were getting closer and closer, and I think they both were right around 65 to 68% this time. So I don't think that it's totally uh, – the opportunity is totally closed because we do have the ERA committee now, and I don't know exactly how guys are, are going to feel. With the pandemic and stuff, it's been hard to get together with guys to be able to get a true feel of what everybody's thinking. But before the pandemic, I – I know that uh, it, it was one of those things where people felt that anybody that was associated with, with steroids were um, were not would not make the Hall of Fame. But you know things change and they change very quickly. And as I said, you know those numbers were starting to creep up a little bit. I think they just ran out of time as far as the ballot is concerned. And Oz, you are on one of those committees. Is it the current mm-hmm. player committee that, that you were on the today's game committee, right? What's that yeah, like? What ha- well, what they do is they, they rotate, you you know, and a, a couple of the first ones that I was on, Randy, uh, I didn't know anything about, especially the executives. And so what they've tried to do now when you're picked to be on one of those committees, they try and uh, pick people who, who, um, who had the opportunity to play against guys and new guys personally. So a lot of times when we sit on those committees, we're relying – on the knowledge of people who have played with them and the historians that are also brought on to the group to explain to us because 
the numbers don't always tell the story. So it's, it's nice to have historians a part of the group who can fill you in and give you more information on the people who are on the ballot. I'm really curious your thoughts on Scott Rowland. Now, again, the, you could talk about Rowland maybe being the, the best defensive third baseman, uh, certainly of his era. I don't know. Brooks Robinson obviously is going to get a lot of talk there. But there's only – Ozzie, this is kind of crazy. There's only 17 – third baseman in the Hall of Fame, and seven were elected by special committee. And it looks like Scotty is headed to the Hall of Fame, and I'm just curious when you watched him play, what you took away specifically in watching his defense. Well, he's one of those special players, and I think we've been very fortunate here to have seen some great third basemen, starting with Kenny Reitz on to Oberfell and Terry Pendleton, and now uh, Scott Rowland, and now Nolan Arenado. You know, so you, you, we've gotten a chance, we've gotten kind of spoiled at watching the game's best do what they do. And, um, you know, I, I think Scotty certainly fits into that category of one of the best defensive third basements to ever play the game. Uh, you know, when I think of that position, of course, you can't leave out Mike Schmidt, right? who was also a great one and, and stuff. And Scotty fits right into that class. And Oz, you retired 25 years ago, 20, it'll be 26 this year. And there might be younger people driving around that aren't aware of what Terry Pendleton did for you when he came up in 19, uh, uh, 1984. Can you tell people how he helped you defensively? Well, I mean, any time that you have uh, a fielder who can, uh, on the left side there, who can move to his left, your your strength is to your to your left, so it allowed me now because he could move. So he was so good at going to his right. Uh, it it allowed us all to be able to play a little bit more up the middle and 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 stuff. So when you have a player that has the ability like that, it makes it so much easier on the rest of the the defense. So uh, a player like Terry, who also had the ability to. Uh, run with his with his back to the infield and catch the ball over his shoulder probably as good as any of the guys that we've uh, we've mentioned. I, I think that that's that's if I had to pick a point where Terry was probably stronger, it was certainly being being able to go and catch the ball over his shoulder with his back to the infield. He he made an art form out of that. It was unbelievable watching him do that down that left field line. Ozzie Smith is our guest, the great uh, Hall of Famer. I want to go back to Keith Hernandez for a moment, if we can, Oz. What made him so spectacular as a first baseman? Was it his ability on the bunt plays, his soft hands, defensively how he did things, how he held a runner? What was it that really made him a an elite, if not the best defensive first baseman ever? You named them all, you know. When any time that you can have a first baseman, and when you look around today, very few first basemen charge the ball and throw to another base. Uh, Keith had the ability and was uh, not afraid to throw to another base, and it takes the pitcher completely out of the play. He could feel the ball from first base all the way to the third base line, and so our plays were designed with him being able to charge and, and the innate ability to know when the guy was going to lay it down or when he was going to he was going to bunt it. So we forced people into certain situations when you can have a first baseman who had the ability to come all the way to the third base line. Now you take the pressure off of the third baseman, especially if there's a man on first and second, and you're trying to get that play at the force play at third base. He was a uh, he was the best at that, and he had great hands. 
His baseball IQ was outstanding at knowing when to stay and when to come off the bag. He saves he saved us so much over there at first base on bad throws. Um, and it was just a treat. It's a treat to be able to play with somebody where if I dive, and I did a lot of diving, I just get up and just throw the ball in that direction, knowing or playing with the confidence that he was going to be able to make a play. Hey, Oz, one more thing for me. And Ozzie Smith is bringing that 1982 infield plus Jim Cott. Whitey Herzog, Joe Buck will be the MC, and they're coming to town on February 17th at Ballpark Village. And you can be a celebration sponsored by going to ozzieandfriends.com. Uh, you heard us at, at the beginning of this uh, talking about Tom Brady retiring. Uh, you played 19 years in Major League Baseball. He played 22 in the NFL. From your mm-hmm. perspective, after you retired in 1996, did it take some time to come to grips with the fact that you weren't going to spring training in 1997? What's it like for somebody who plays as long as you played to just stop cold turkey? Well, you know what? I don't think that you ever really just stop cold turkey. I think this is something that's probably been building for quite a while. The realization, um, The realization is when you finally – have to say, you know what, that's it, making that decision for everybody because there's always that speculation when you play as long as Tom has played and it's consistent and as great as he has played, uh, you get to 21, 22 years, then there is a lot of speculation as to whether or not uh, you're going to call it quits. But, you know, I think Tom is smart enough to be able to get out – at the right time, and this seems to be the right time for him, although we look at him now and say, you know what, he could probably play another two or three years. Um, but I think that he, he wants to be able to enjoy him, his life a little bit now, and he's still young enough to do that. And uh, he, I think his knees and everything are still pretty good, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, I, I think this this might be the right time for him. And here again, I think he's probably gotten so much pressure <clears throat> from – people wondering whether or not he was going to retire. And and you listen to people now, and people don't want to see him go. You know, they want to see him go to, I don't know, I guess maybe 50. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which he he probably could. But, you know, there comes a time in your life. And I I think that he, as a football player, probably has gotten tired of all of the hits, although he's not been hit as much as Joe Burrow's been hit um, uh, as far as the contact and stuff is concerned. But, you know, I think that he's reached a point in time in his life where I don't think he has anything else to prove. I think he's proven that he's it, it, one, if not the greatest, to ever play the position. And it's been fun watching. Hey, Ozzy, uh, <clears throat> I want to wrap it up with this. Um, and again, it's the 17th Ballpark Village. You become a sponsor. But you have done so much to help veterans and kids through the game of golf. And maybe you can describe where this money goes that you're raising uh, coming up on the 17th. It's a fun night to talk baseball. But uh, more importantly, you're raising a lot of money for some great causes, too. Yeah, well, this, you know, of course, is PJ Reach is my, is my cause. And, and uh, we started out with the kids, and now uh, our third pillar has been the veterans and stuff, which has been very rewarding for me because it's given them their lives back. And we're getting ready to start our capital campaign to hopefully build a nine-hole multi-recreational facility right across from Herbert Hoover's Boys Club, which we are partnered with, um, and you know, give these kids an opportunity and expose them to the game and the business of golf and, and hopefully uh, create some, some, some great citizens who will 
who will will come back and and give back to to a community in which they grew up. Hey, as uh, it's going to snow tomorrow, apparently we're going to get like six to ten inches of snow. I've been told that if we do get snowed in, that you have the ability just to go downstairs and work on your golf game. Fact or fiction? <laughs> uh, that's a fact. That's a fact. Randy I, and I will be over I, for lunch. Okay. Well, you guys want some soup and tuna, or what, what do you like? Yeah, that's the winter thing, right? Yeah, whatever you got. We'll, we'll, we're not we're not picky, Oz. We'll we'll just be over. Okay. Just as long as it's warm, okay. we can swing a club. That's we're fine. Okay. All right. Hey, we always love. Right. Yeah, always love talking to you, Oz. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, guys. Thanks, Ozzy. See you later. Always a pleasure. Uh, Ozzy Smith, uh, I, I talked to somebody who put a simulator down in the basement. Why not? Yeah, it's, uh, hey, it's, you got to work on the game year-round. And if you're going to get snowed in, that's the thing to have. He's uh, as passionate about golf now. Can I say as passionate as baseball? I think Probably you can. I think not. you can. Close. He's, he's there practicing every day. I mean, it is yeah, close. Working. Yeah. Ozzy's the best, isn't he? He's fantastic. Love, He's great. Love talking to him. Coming up, more of your Mount Rushmores. You get to pick a Major League player, an NHL player, an NBA player, an NFL player, and then a wild card. It can be from team sports or it can be from individual sports. And we want more of your texts and some of your mic drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Next, with Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Coming up on 908 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Okay, so uh, we've got your texts in, 65780. We've got a couple of mic drops that uh, we're going to get to, and we want you to put together your Mount Rushmore plus one. You get to pick a player from basketball, hockey, baseball, football, plus one other from the 314. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, getting a lot of those, uh, and and Brady has officially announced his retirement. Uh, Mays and Gretzky, and then he's got Usain Bolt, who is one of the fastest runners ever. How about this one? Stan the Man. He hasn't gotten any love this morning. Well-deserved. You can make an argument, and it's your Mount Rushmore. So Stan the Man, Michael Jordan, Gretzky, and Montana for football, though it's hard to pass over Brady, even though I don't like him. So that's <laughs> that, that's one. Yeah. By the way, uh, Tom Brady uh, had a long Instagram post that came out about, I would say, 15 minutes ago, officially announcing that retirement. Yep. Of note, no mention of Bill Belichick, no mention of the Patriots. Right. And we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour here on 101 ESPN. Uh, we've got mic drops. Here's our first one coming your way with Dan and Randy. And text line's still open, by the way, 65780 for the Air Comfort Service text line. And uh, do we have our first mic drop ready here? Yes, we do. This is going to be John. All right, John, here we go. Hello, John. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. My Mount Rushmore of four plus one starts with the easiest one, and that's Wayne Gretzky. He dominated the game like nobody has dominated any game. He was truly the great one. Uh, then I'm going to go with Lou Alcinda, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In his prime, he was unstoppable, unguardable. I'm going to go with Jack Nicholas in golf. Then, when I get to the NFL, I'm going to go with Joe Green. 
the greatest defensive lineman to ever play the game and the greatest defensive player to ever play the game. And I think he's the greatest player to ever play the game. He was always triple teamed. He was the leader of one of the greatest defenses of all time. In fact, one year, they had eight games where they didn't give up a touchdown, including five shutouts. And finally, I end with Henry Aaron. And I think he's the most underrated baseball player of all time. I agree with that last statement. I do, too. And that was a great list. John, we do appreciate it. Um, Kareem was on my outside looking mm-hmm. in. He was in my, my – I was really leaning towards him, actually. He had over 38,000 points. Um, he won six MVPs. He averaged in his career 25 points – uh, 11 rebounds, four assists, and three blocks a game. <laughs> so double-double with all those assists as well and blocks and obviously a ton of points, nearly 40,000. Here's a list I like from the 573. Baseball, Roberto Clemente. Okay. He was amazing. Football, Walter Payton. You could make an argument yeah. that Walter was the best player ever. Yeah. Uh, hockey, Wayne Gretzky, and basketball, Jordan with the wild card as Tiger Woods. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, it, it, the Tiger aspect, we need to get with Jay Delsing, too, this this week and ask him about his Mount Rushmore of uh, the golfers because there there's some others on there, too, outside of Jack and Tiger that I'd even look at as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, barring car accidents and things of that nature of previous players. Ben Hogan, you know, think yeah. about what he did. Um, it's it's really tough. I mean, you get into this, you get into the weeds on some of this stuff. Right. It's really hard oh, to do. Man, and that's why it, it's so great to have so many different opinions. This from the 314. Jordan, LT, like you picked for football. Stan the man, he says Homer pick, but no, it, it's your Mount Rushmore. Uh, the great one. And then Mike Tyson, because he created pay-per-view. <laughs> what a great point. He was must-see TV. I, I didn't miss many of his fights, Randy. I mean, good, bad, and different. Mm-hmm. I wanted to watch him fight. And when he was in his prime, I mean, that fight against Spinks when he not, I mean, it was, it was scary. They, and and it, back in the day, like not everything was available on cable or right. on pay per view. And you'd see so, him on HBO until they, the right. pay per view got going. But they had a closed circuit at the Fox for Tyson and Spinks. And they sold out the Fox on a really? massive screen. How long did that take? The, the fight? Spinks. 91 yeah. seconds. It was 91, right? Yeah. yeah. And then after that, the Cardinals went into extra innings that night. And I went back <laughs> to the ballpark and got in like in the seventh inning and stuck around for like 11. And that was one of the most breathtaking athletic spectacles I've ever seen was Tyson just absolutely annihilating Michael Spinks. It was yes. amazing. He was a spectacle, man. The physical nature of how he went about it, the aggressive nature. It was awesome. Yep. Uh, from the 636, Pujols, Steph Curry, Peyton Manning, and Fedorov in hockey with Usain Bolt as a wild card. Hey, we appreciate all your texts. We Fedorov. appreciate your mic drops. Huh. Yeah, pretty good. I, I believe he's the highest scoring Russian, Russian player before Ovechkin. Ever. I think Ovechkin may have passed him, if I'm I not mistaken. I think he did recently. Yep. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we are going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. It's our weekly visit with our friend Mike Claiborne of ClaibsOnline.com on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Danny Mac in for Michelle, Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Time for our weekly visit with the one and only Mike Claiborne, who joins us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I am doing well. Um, trying to survive the winter uh, here in Florida. It was 38 <laughs> degrees the other day. Oh, my. But now it's warming up, though. It's warming up. Uh, Mike, you're going to miss out on 12 to 18 inches of snow here in St. Louis. Well, I heard about it, and uh, I wish everybody there the best. Uh, we'll get through it. But, you know, with the weather people today, we might get a dusting before it's all You're <laughs> Exactly right. I mean, they, 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 you know, they put everybody in panic mode. I am convinced that they have some sort of kickback with Dan's friendliest store in town, uh, his his friends. The ones in Schnucks? On all the bread and milk that they sell, thanks to what these guys say. Well, just make sure you're socially distanced if you go in there. I make that announcement <laughs> about every 15 minutes. I go into every store and do that live. You don't sound you know, like you're got, only concerned about uh, us here in St. Louis, Mike. I'll be honest. I am concerned, man. I, I really am. No, you're not. I really not. am concerned, but it's nothing I can do about it. You're not concerned. <laughs> just admit, you know what? We, the one thing we expect is a lot of truthfulness from you. Yeah. Uh, a lot of truthful statements, uh, a caring nature. And I'm I'm not getting any of that from you down in Florida as we expect a foot of snow. You know what? Now that I think about it, Dan, you're right. I Thank you. Know. Thank you, Clebs. <laughs> hey, Clebs, uh, uh, Tom Brady making the announcement official this morning that he is. Well, isn't it good that he made the announcement instead of everybody else? Sources yeah. have confirmed. Yeah. And you by know, the way, Jeff, I got to tell you something. Go ahead. That really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I think for all that Brady has done for sports, not just the NFL, it, it, shouldn't he be entitled to do it on his terms compared yes. to having every, you know, guy and girl who wants to be first? I mean, this is one of the few guys in our lifetime that we certainly have come to appreciate what he does on and off the field. And let him do it his way. That That's fine. For, for everybody else to run. And I'm sure Schefter and these other jokers will come out today and say, see, I told you. Told you he was going to retire. Mm -hmm. If you knew crap. about it, you would have broken it, Mike, because you're no, truthful. You're truthful. No, I, you know what? Here's the deal. I think the people <laughs> like that deserve that opportunity to do it on their terms. I agree. I, I happen to agree with that. Actually, I agree with any of these, uh, any player that wants to do it on their terms. No matter what they, if they want to come out and retire, let them do it. And you know what's interesting yeah. about this specific situation is that Brady's inner circle has historically been talked about as being so tight you wonder who gave it up. And Darlington yeah. obviously has good sources within the Brady inner circle because Darlington's the one that said he was leaving New England, that he wasn't coming back to New England. So somebody there likes to talk. Yeah, there's always one person that that, that slips up or whatever and gives it up. But <clears throat> I'm glad it's over. I wish him the best. I can't wait to see what his next venture will be. I, uh, I, I thought you would be the perfect person to ask about this. So Randy and I have had a lot of fun and listeners have been chiming in with their – so with Brady's retirement, we, we started this at the top of the show at 7, and then the, the news broke officially about a half hour ago. We were going with our Mount Rushmore of sports, of the four major sports, NHL, MLB, and NBA, and NFL. And then you could have, like, your wild card individual that you wanted that was dominant or whoever you thought was a great athlete, best way to describe could be it. an individual anybody. or from team sports. If you wanted to have a second NFL or MLB player, you could. So I know you love so what you're saying is Kobayashi could be included right. in this yes. for all the hot dogs. Now, Joey okay. Chestnut, how, how you can pick Kobayashi Joey when Chestnut. Joey Chestnut yeah. exists. But Kobayashi had a hell of a run. I he mean, did. in his prime, he was amazing. Yeah. Um, he was some sort of guy. He really was, the way he trained. Um, 
that regiment was incredible. So if if we're going NHL, who are you going with the greatest? Bobby Orr. MLB. Willie Mays. NBA. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. NFL. Jim Brown. Those are all good. And if you had one wild card, who do you have? Tiger. That's who Randy went with. Yeah, he's my wild card, too. He's either Tiger or Ali, one of those two. And, Klaibs, over the years, you've been steadfast about Bobby Orr. Why Bobby Orr over Wayne Gretzky? Because Orr controlled all three zones anytime he stepped on the ice. Uh, he took the game to a level that we still haven't seen guys catch up. Paul Coffey was really good, and he got he got close to some numbers. But Bobby Orr, you know, changed the way the game was played, where he just had a, a stay-at-home defenseman. He jumped up in the play. He controlled the game uh, anytime he was on the ice. And I'm not taking anything away from Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux or Gordy Howe. But from when you think about his skating ability, his hockey sense that he had that sixth sense that he had, uh, his ability to score, and he played in a very tough era. Uh, he, he's my guy. Klaibs, two things about Bobby Orr. Number one, when the Norris Trophy was awarded to the best defenseman, the guy who played defense, he won it eight times. And the other part about Bobby Orr is that he set the all-time record for points by a defenseman. In 68-69, he had 64 points. The next year, he had 120. And then years of 139, 117, 101, 122, 135. As a defenseman, he led the NHL in scoring in 74-75 with 135 points. And we'll never see another defenseman lead the league in scoring. No. It'll never happen again. And and I don't know how many defensemen we've actually had that have scored over 100 points. No, you know, I don't think he will. Paul Coffey is probably a guy, and maybe maybe Doug Wilson. Uh, but, you know, after that, all the other guys that we've seen, they, they don't get close to 100 points. I mean, they may be very good, and, and there's some really good defensemen that have played after Bobby Orr. But when it comes to his offense, and this is before they did plus-minus. Um, I know that there have been some people who tried to do the plus-minus, you know, for him. And I know one person had him, he was like plus 110 at one point in one season. So, I mean, I'm going to stay with him. But the other ones certainly, they may not be on the mountain, but they're on the next hill over for sure. And by the way, Klaibs, we should point out to people driving around, we're talking about the greatness of Bobby Orr. And he only played 24 games with the Blackhawks. But that Blackhawks shortened career because of his bad knees almost happened here in St. Louis. He almost became a blue as a free agent. You're right. And if it wasn't for Alan Eagleson, who was his agent, who misled Bobby Orr uh, because he had cut a side deal with Bill Wirtz, well, Bobby Orr could have ended up in St. Louis. Now, the knees gave out on him, and I don't know how that would have turned out here, but you know, his agent uh, lied to him and, and, you know, had had another side deal that he got a kickback from Bill Wirtz at the time, and that's how he ended up in Chicago. I'm curious, uh, Klaibs, I'm going to assume that down in Florida you are near the Jupiter area. Are you not? That is correct, sir. Do you see anybody, uh, you know, you drive by the complex, you see anybody mulling around over there? Well, you know what, there are some minor league guys that go in to do something, I guess, uh, but I haven't seen a lot of activity. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's very quiet. Now, on the other side, the Marlins, they got a big shindig going on over there. I is mean, their right? parking lot is really full. You know, the, the Cubs so, did something like that, too. The Cubs brought in a lot of their minor league guys and did like a, a full 
I don't know how many weeks it was, but basically just workouts with the minor league guys, which at this point in the CBA, you're allowed to do. Yeah, no, the Marlins lot is full. I would say uh, the Cardinals lot probably has 15, 20 cars on it. Um, and I'm sure that they're trying to be productive. They're all minor leaguers, of course. But, uh, yeah, it, it's quiet overall here. Uh, Artie Graw, I think, is coming up in a week or so, so it'll get crowded for that. But it, other than that, uh, we're just kind of waiting around on everybody else to get it done. You know, as you know, um, a lot of major league players are making their full-time residence, or at least off-season residence, but their homes in – that Jupiter West Palm area. And as this thing drags on, I could see some of these players getting together and doing their own workouts and going on some type of field. I, I know that when they were getting ready during the, the season of 2020, when everything was shut down for a while, I mean, if you were walking the dog, you, you might take a look at, uh, you know, being down at Francis Park and all of a sudden there was Max Scherzer and, you know, a bunch of different players that you might recognize on a major league field starting to get together and do an inner squad and that kind of thing just to, to stay sharp in any way they can. I, and I, I would assume that that may start happening down there, too. I, you know, I think you make a good point, Dan. I think at some point their body clock will tell them I need to go play catch and do something with somebody uh, at that time of the year. And it'll be funny because they won't be in any major league attire. So to see a bunch of grown men out there playing right. catch and hitting balls 500 feet, you know, if you're just going down the street, you know, boy, that looks like a pretty good pickup team over there. You know, yeah, I thought they'd be playing softball. But, you know, there's some guys that I've seen in the gym um, that I go to that are working out. And, you know, I, I think they have to stay on course and, and just stay ready for whenever this thing is over with. Well, when you have eyes, you know, on the scene like you do, just go to the parking lot and then you'll be able to tell if it's just a bunch of grown-ups getting together to play some pickup or if it's some major league guys. Just just check out the so, cars. So what you're saying is if there's a bunch of soccer mom vans out there, I shouldn't <laughs> right. worry about those guys. Exactly. Huh? Don't worry there's about those guys. Bentleys or Maseratis out there, and I know I'm in the right place. Exactly. <laughs> and one thing about it, the minor leaguers showing up, the guys that aren't on the 40-man, Oliver Marmol and the staff will get an opportunity to get some eyes on some guys that they ordinarily wouldn't see a lot of. And those guys will get the advantage of having being taught by the major league staff. I, I agree, Randy. I think that uh, it's a great opportunity for minor leaguers to, you know, really get involved and get in, in acclimated to what a big league climate might be like. And as you mentioned, uh, if some of the coaches are here or Ollie's here, they may be able to give them some, a little bit more attention and, and circle their name when, when camp does start to keep an eye on this guy. And I think you're going to see somebody that's going to take advantage of this situation and find himself on a big league roster before it's all said and done. And I, I think that's the way that you have to look at it. You know, for instance, if you were around last year, which you were, I was here doing the games remotely and you were down there, but if you go on the backfields, which was limited for media, but you talk to some of the Cardinal personnel, and that's where Lars Newtbar really made a name. You know, he he was taking the extra ABs, and they needed a body, or they needed an, it, there was an inner squad game going on. So it may not have been the game that we all were watching, um, whether it was on television or listening on radio, or you know, be, being there to cover the the, the spring training action. But um, it's on those backfields, man, where sometimes guys make that impression, and it could be a play and a bat, whatever, and they say that could be a guy that we call up in April or, or May. And and that's how it gets done. And that's the beauty of spring training. It, it is. And, you know, I think if you're a guy today 
you don't give away at bats. I don't care what field you're on and carry at least two gloves in your bag because you never know where you may end up. And I always go back to, to Paul DeYoung, where we always sure. saw him as a third baseman in, in spring training. And all of a sudden he shows up. Was that San Diego or Atlanta? Colorado. Yeah, his, Colorado, yeah. Uh, Colorado, and the next thing you know, he's playing shortstop, and I don't think he's ever played a position since then since he's been in St. Louis. That's right. Our new producer, Matt Rocchio, said that uh, he wasn't going to come to 101 ESPN. He wasn't going to join the show unless he was still allowed to do uh, ClabesOnline.com. And he, he still does Billiken previews with Rammer, which is great. And I know you guys got a lot going on at Klaibs Online. Well, we do. Uh, and I got to tell you, Matt Rocchio has as much basketball knowledge as anybody that I've talked to under the age of 30. Um, he really knows his stuff. He follows the game. He and Rammer do a phenomenal job with that, uh, with the two-man game, because they go college and the NBA. Uh, and it won't be long before they'll be doing high school, I would think. But yeah, it's fun for him. Uh, we're going to do. We're going to step up and talk a little bit more hockey now that the NHL is shut down, basically, or the Blues are down for a little bit. And uh, huddle up with Howard. We'll kind of set up things as far as the Super Bowl and and where some of these coaches are going to end up. You know, I think as far as the NFL is concerned with the coaching carousel, you know, one thing, you know, we talk about uh, is Eric Bieniemy or Brian Leftwich or Brian Flores going to get a job. But the other thing I think is even more intriguing is how are these coaches putting staffs together to make sure that these guys connect with the quarterback, connect with the receivers and the defense that he's going to be given the coach. A lot of moving parts as far as how coaching staffs are put together in the NFL and certainly we saw at the college level. Klaibs, great stuff. Enjoy your time on the golf course down there. All right, fellas. Good talking to you. We'll do it soon. You're the best. See you later. That is the great Mike Claiborne joining us on 101 ESPN. ClaibsOnline.com. Matt, do you have a comment to add here? Oh, no. I was, I was, I was pulling saying goodbye to Claibs. Oh, okay, good, good deal. Uh, coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls, with Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac in for Michelle, and it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. All right, uh, Matt mentioned the Instagram post from Tom Brady announcing his retirement, and Dan... Brady writes, this is difficult for me to write, but here it goes. I'm not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. He says to my Bucks teammates over the past two years, I love you guys and have loved going to war with you. To all the Bucks fans, thank you. To the city of Tampa and the entire Tampa St. Petersburg region, thank you. To the Glazer family, the owners of the Buccaneers, thank you. To Jason Light, general manager of the Buccaneers, thank you. To my head coach Bruce Arians, thanks. To all the Bucks coaches, my sincere thanks. He also says uh, in his Instagram post, to every Bucks staffer and employee, thank you. And he goes on to thank his trainer and his agents to his parents and Giselle and his kids. Dan, no mention whatsoever of Patriots, Patriots fans, Patriots employees, Patriots coaches, owners. No Patriots mention whatsoever. I, I think the one that would stick with me if I was a fan of the Patriots is no mention of the Patriots fans. Agreed. And you can be upset at the organization. You can be upset at the front office. You can be upset at the coach. Those things, time kind of heals all wounds. I don't know if it will with him. He seems to be pretty upset. But the fans didn't do anything to you. 
The fans supported you. Mm-hmm. The fans were there for you. And they deserve at least a mention of, I appreciate your support. And I, I think that's that's poor. But that, you know, we've seen it, though, at times with handshakes and things with him where he doesn't do it. And it's almost a pouty look to it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just not right. And so I, I don't like that part of it. I think you got you to gotta thank the Patriot fans. And, I and do, NFL fans, really. I know it might be distasteful to some, Mike Claiborne being one of them, but you do have to give credit to Jeff Darlington of ESPN, who broke the story on Saturday that Brady was going to retire. He knew he has good sources. He's a superb reporter, and he got it right. It's. I know a lot of people don't like the idea of getting it first and wanting Brady to be it's able to job, make though. the decision. Yeah, yeah, and he did his job very well. Right. Somebody did uh, text in. He already thanked the uh, Patriot fans before he signed with the Bucks, which is true. However, I look at when this is officially coming to the culmination mm-hmm. and the end of a career. I, I don't know. I, I think you look at it in totality. Agreed. And you thank all those that have helped you along the way, including the fans in New England. Yep. You're killing me, Small. Dan, you had some TV numbers for us. Yes, uh, I do. And now you've just... You've stunned me with this. No, 54 million viewers yeah. for the Rams the other night against the 49ers. So that was for Fox and then for... Probably, what, 40 million of those 49er fans. 47.8 million viewers is the most watched conference championship game in the early window in six years. That was New England and Denver back in 16. So CBS announced that uh, earlier. And then it was uh, 50 million plus for the... Uh, second game, which was the Rams game that we saw. So uh, record numbers, it's still a beast. It's the NFL on TV. It's an absolute monster. And it's not going anywhere, Dan, because with the advent of legalized gambling throughout the country, more people are going to watch. And with these games going down to the wire and the spread being what it is generally, people are going to stick around until the final gun, until that game has been decided and the score has been decided. You know what's pretty amazing, too, about Brady going back to him? Since he turned 40, he's won more games thrown for more yards and TDs than any other quarterback in the 2000 drafted in their careers. Their careers. Mm. Um, By the way, he is the last player now from the 2000 draft that uh, has retired. So he's the final guy of that draft class, which uh, I'm I'm just kind of shocked. You know, when you consider the great run that Trung Candidate had mm-hmm. with the with the Rams, that it's, it, was, it's, it was either Trung or Tom Brady, and Brady outlasted him. What was that run? That was that, like that one there in like week three? That was that great run? That was a great run. Yeah, great it run. set up a lot of plays for him. Trung Candidate was remarkable in that he backed up Marshall Falk, and whenever Marshall would get hurt, Trung would get hurt. He had no desire to play. Do you remember that draft class? Let me give you some names, okay? Uh, Keith Bullock. The Rams tried to trade up to get Keith Bullock. Uh, I'm really? Just the Rams class. That makes me sad. Oh, okay. So Trungster. Okay. Trung candidate. Okay. Kobe Shepard. John St. Clair. Kalana Noah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I say that right? Yeah, the tackle. Kalana, yeah. Yeah, okay. Brian Young. He had a good long career. Yep. Matt Bowen. He's still writing. And uh, Andrew Klein, who is an offensive guard from San Diego State. Uh, Another little side note about this, too. Sebastian Janikowski was, so you had a kicker from the 2000 draft, was the last prior to Brady to retire. He retired in 2019. (laughs) So the QB from that draft class is the last one standing. That's amazing. A six-round QB. Yep. You're killing me, Small. 
Hey, uh, Dan, best wishes and congrats to Johnny Manziel's ex-wife, Brie oh. Tiesi. Uh, have you ever watched that show on Fox, The Masked Singer? I've seen it, actually, okay. yeah. Nick Cannon is the host of said show. Well, Brie Tiesi, Johnny Manziel's ex-wife, recently announced that she is pregnant with Nick's eighth baby. So multiple moms. But congratulations to Nick and Johnny Manziel's ex-wife, Brie Tiesi, because they're having a baby, and I'm sure that Nick has found true love now. Well, sure. Of course. Very fertile. Yeah. Um, and he's very proud of that fact. He's like, you know, some guys, you know, are a little bit more like bashful when yeah. they have, you know, a bunch of kids across a bunch of different women. Nick Cannon's like, no, I'm just trying to have a lot of kids. And by the way, well, he's going to have to have a lot yeah. of jobs. Yeah. Uh, it appears as if, according to reports, that uh, Brie Tiesi was still married to Johnny Football when she and uh, oh. Nick Cannon laid in a biblical sense so that uh, she could... Why do you have, have to go down baby. those roads? Just, just stay to the facts, Randy. That was Randy. a perfect way to phrase no, it. No, don't think about where we are. Him, I think about St. Louis. It's perfect. Everyone understands that around here. Just don't encourage him. <laughs> I loved it. Thanks, what is Matt. What's wrong with you? Did he? Did he, he? He knew her carnally. Yeah, exactly. See, now you're going down that road <laughs> from Adam. It's, it's what happened. Look, we're just c- talking facts here. There's a couple young people that had found love together, and uh, you know consummated the relationship and now it's his eighth child it's all fine eight it's impressive that's impressive he's prolific yes randy he is now i i'd say that he needs to hold on to that that mass job i would say so and that show needs to continue to succeed right yeah you gotta have some good ratings yeah you know you, you need to keep going you're killing me, Smalls. And, Dan, one more thing. We mentioned yesterday the gentleman that on a $20 parlay made $579,000. And uh, congratulations to our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook because they are the ones that took that bet. And they're getting a lot of play, a lot of run out of the fact that they're paying off five hundred and seventy-nine grand on the parlay in which the gentleman picked the two scores of the two games, Bengals 27, Chiefs 24, and Rams 20, Niners 17. So you, uh, well, you get a lot of run with a half million dollar payout and a lot of a lot of advertising with that payout, but I I'm sure it's worth it. probably like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think so. It's worth it because uh, it's being talked about across the country for an exceptional bet. It's amazing that he picked the right score and and the Both right teams. teams. Yeah, and turned that $20 bet into a half million dollars. And I was thinking, like, after taxes, what do you think? Like 330 maybe? Probably, yeah, in that Roughly? area. Yep. yeah. That's and what I'm thinking. That's one of the multi-sport, multi-game parlays that you can do. It was just a two-leg parlay with cool. both scores. So congratulations. Yeah. To good stuff. That yeah. That's it for your killing me smalls. I got to tell you, you're doing a good job yeah. on your killing me smalls. I find stuff. Yeah, you're, you're Yesterday, doing... Rihanna. Today, Nick Cannon. You're bringing it in. Well, Randy. Johnny Football. You well, got Johnny a, Football, you, you yeah. You got to tie in the sports. Tie it in, yeah. Yeah, but sometimes you don't, Randy. It is a sports show, after all. Well, you did. No, Scooty Booty was tied in. Yeah, she's Devin Bush's girlfriend. Right. She's doing well, by the way. She's a great dental hygienist. She had a picture the other day on the Insta of her working on Devin Bush's mouth. She was actually, she's her, uh, she's his hygienist, Scooty Booty is. Let's so, see. We, so now you know via radio. If you want to go back and listen to, uh, we had Darren Pang on. Yeah, that was a nice yeah he'll visit. be on the interwebs. Yeah, yeah we had, we had Klaibs on the pot. We can go to him. Hey, Dan, one other thing. Yeah. 
Uh, we want to thank the 12,379 people that voted on our Twitter poll yesterday. Who's the most hated person in the history of St. Louis sports? You nailed it. You said 9 out of 10 would pick Kroenke. Sam Kroenke gets 90.2% of the vote. <laughs> Kevin Demoff, 3.1. Mike Keenan got 4%. He finished in second place. Really? And Bill Bidwell with 2.7% of the vote for the most hated in St. Louis sports history. 12,379 votes in 12 hours. I don't hate Keenan as much as others. I just don't. I think because we knew him away from the I, rink. I think that's what it is. And he was good to me, so I guess it's my personal uh, feelings towards him. But, man, he did run this thing into the ground. I'm yeah. not saying he didn't, but... I just figured that for sure it would be anything with Rams on it that that would get your vote. Well, here's one thing, though, about the President's Trophy team is I believe 18 players on that roster, maybe it was 16, 16 or 18, either played for Keenan throughout his career here, Al McInnes, or he acquired. And the two goalies didn't. But most of that President's Trophy winning team of 99, 2000, had Mike Keenan's fingerprints on it. The thing is, though, as we all know, none of them would have been around for that President's Trophy team. That's true. Except Good for point. maybe Al and Prongs. Yeah, that's exactly right. management yep. would have said, absolutely not. Right. Ownership would have stepped in and said, no, no, no. Yeah. We're not trading those guys. Anybody else? Okay, well, you're seeing that. I mean, he was trading everybody. Yep. We'll wrap things up. We're going to head down the stretch with What's on Tap next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. One of the things I want to do tomorrow. What do you in, got? In the midst of the blizzard, the yeah. snow apocalypse that we're going to have here in St. Louis. I want people to think today about their favorite sports snow story. Did you ever go to a football game as a kid? Did That's you a tailgate in snow? Was there an opening day maybe where there was snow? Did you go to a hockey game, play a hockey game? So I want your favorite snow or winter sports story tomorrow. Don't you love watching football when it's snowing? It's the best. It's I the love best. it. I, I miss so much getting snow in December before Christmas. Yep. Because those... Some of my favorite memories as a kid are watching those Saturday afternoon yep. games when it was snowing. And uh, I guess actually right before Christmas, one of my favorite things was the Budweiser ad, the doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Yeah. Doo, 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 and they were always on interminably during those games. That was pretty cool. I loved that. They had, uh, you know, Michigan-Ohio State had snow in their yeah, game Yeah, that this was year. great. That was fun. I, like a big college game that's got yep. snow pelting down on everybody. Yeah. You know, you get it in Green Bay. You had the snow game in, in Philly where they're throwing the snowballs. Tuck rule game. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one with the Raiders. Um, I don't know. There's just something about watching a sporting event with the inclement weather that makes it kind of fun. It's it, just it different. Fun. I did a few Turkey Day games, Kirkwood and Webster, oh, where there was really? snow, and it was one of those snow globe effect games. It was very cool. I've done baseball games when it's snowing. Yeah. We've had snow. Well, we've had, I think we had flurries one time at, at Bush Stadium. Boy, we had some cold games this last year. When the Rockies were in town, ironically enough, it was really cold this year. I think we had the coldest game maybe ever this last year at Bush Stadium. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, being uh, in Denver, it's, it's snowed when we played. Greg Holland's 
first game for the Cardinals. That ho- I think it was a home opener, and it was 30 degrees. Holland had not had a spring, remember? Yeah. He went and worked in Memphis for a week and got into like two games, and then with a week of preparation and two games in Memphis, he's put in in the ninth inning with a one-run lead here in 30-degree temperatures 30 degree here in, in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. It, there, it can get cold. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about it. Now, there's something about playing cold games in April as opposed to the cold games in October. Cold games in October, I can handle. Those cold are games much in April, better. I'm like, will you please just get warm? Right. Please, can we get a little break yeah, let's here? Let's get to golf weather here. Exactly. Masters is on or something, and you're freezing in St. Louis. Although, usually it's pretty nice. But early April... Yeah, I'm not a fan of the cold down at Bush Stadium. Tomorrow night, we've got Illinois basketball here on 101 ESPN. They play Wisconsin tonight, North Carolina, and Louisville. Pre-game at 6.30. Illinois is ranked. Wisconsin is ranked. Both of those teams are probably going to wind up in the NCAA tournament. Mizzou is not... And Mizzou plays Florida. They're supposed to host Florida tomorrow. And then SLU against George Mason tomorrow. And, Dan, the more this season goes along, the more I'm worried that SLU could wind up on the outside of the tournament looking in because of the home loss to UAB and blowing the lead against Auburn. I think if they win that game against Auburn, That's they, the one. they were up by 12 with seven and a half minutes left. They should have won that game, and they stopped playing their game. If they win that game, I think that they are in great shape for an at-large bid. I don't think they are now. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be tough. Um, A-10 wasn't great in non-conference either, Mm -hmm. so that hurts them. What does help them right now is how well Davidson has been playing. So you got to look at, like, inside your conference, when you start getting these chances, like, for instance, they have Dayton coming up at home. I think that's maybe this Saturday is the Dayton game. I think it's Sunday. Sunday, right? Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, whatever it is. But that's a huge game. Yeah. Got to win that game at home. And it's games like that that you have to win. The Iona game is going to wind up being a good win for them. Iona probably win their league. So that's a good one. But they've had, they set up their schedule this year. They did not play Drake. Drake is predicted to win the Valley. That game got canceled. But there's other games in which they were playing, like the UABs. And those are the teams that are predicted to win their league. And they lost. And it was at home. So those are tough to overcome at the end of the day. Great job today by our producer engineer, Matt Rocchio. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Uh, Danny Mack, this was fun. We'll Always do it again fun, tomorrow. Buddy. Okay, let's do it. Uh, the Balloon Party with Tim McKernan and uh, Action Jackson is coming up for all of us. Thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. 
And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.